Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of OTR Playlist. And this week's show is going to be our Thanksgiving episode. My name is Sean, the host of Throwback Reviews and co-host of OTR Playlist. And with me, our other host, Ferg, from the Atari 2600 Game by Game podcast. What's going on, Ferg? Hey, Sean. Hey, everybody. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. I hope you're all enjoying the season. I guess you're getting some uh, snow up there now, Sean. Around me, we're getting snow, but I live in the little pocket that does not get snow, apparently. you Normally we do, but this this big uh, winter storm that's hitting the national news, um, we're in this little pocket. So I'm not complaining because I'm not, I'm not ready for it yet. Yeah, that's good. You know, I think before Thanksgiving is a little early for snow, in my opinion, but I don't like snow. I'm not used to snow like you are, I guess. Yeah, I'm, uh, it's, I like the first big snowfall uh, normally. But what happens is it gets that dirty snow. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, you start going to the grocery store and there's these big piles of snow from the parking lot. It's all dirty, like, and then it right. starts melting because it's going to be like 60 degrees out on Monday. So all that snow is just going to turn into uh, to, to mush. Right. And I right. have a couple dogs. So I'm not, uh, I will prolong it as long as I can because winter is long enough here in Buffalo. Yeah. <laughs> it certainly so, is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so this is our Thanksgiving episode. The past couple of days, you and I have been listening to a lot of Thanksgiving <laughs> episodes from, uh, of old-time radio, different shows, different episodes. Um, so we kind of narrowed it down to five episodes or five different shows, I should say. Right. And uh, it, it was not easy, was it? No, it wasn't. There were some that were that were just – it was a regular show that was played on the day of Thanksgiving, and then there were others that were themed around Thanksgiving that weren't necessarily played on that date, but we decided to go with uh, the ones that were Thanksgiving-themed. Right. Yeah. So, uh, but, uh, I mean, it was still, it was fun to hear a lot of different episodes. So, I mean, if we do this again next year, we, we still, we have an idea of, of possibly some other shows. Um, uh, but we did narrow it down to, uh, to five episodes. We didn't want to make it too long because if you are listening to this on Thanksgiving day while you're getting your turkey ready, um, you know, we got to remember that people want to watch the parade too. So, right. That's true. Yeah. We don't, we don't want to make OTR too long, but I think it'll, I think it'll be long enough and, and you'll uh, hear some good episodes. So, uh, and to start off the episode is going to be a show that ran for a long time. It started, uh, the Burns and Allen show, which I believe it started in like 1932 over in England was their first, uh, appearance, appearance oh, on wow. the uh, BBC. And, uh, they ran, to I think May of 1950, and as I was checking, and we're not going to get too deep into uh, Burns and Allen because we are going to actually do an episode on them, but they switched. I mean, if you look down their timeline of their radio shows, it's NBC, NBC, CBS, NBC, CBS, CBS, NBC. Like for the different years, they were just going back and back and forth, back and forth. So, uh, but they had a real long run uh, and just a, a a really good fun show. So uh, that episode is going to be Gracie Buys a Live Turkey, which aired um, uh, November 17th, 1942. Right. Uh, and this is a funny episode. Yeah. Uh, like I said, she buys a live turkey. Uh, not to give the whole episode away, but I think their, her thought process was getting more bang for her buck and, and, and fattening up that turkey right. before Thanksgiving. <laughs> So after the Burns and Allen uh, episode, we'll be listening to an episode of Life of Riley, and that was uh, originally broadcast on November 29th, 1947, 
And uh, you've already done, did you do two shows or one show with Life of Rally? I know this is one of your favorites. Um, I kind of did too. One was a mistake. <laughs> uh, I did, the, and I believe it's actually, if you go to, if you go to, uh, throwbackreviews.com slash OTR playlist, there is only one now. I took one off. One was kind of a post. I was trying to test something out and I forgot. Oh, okay. And I just, you, I just used the Life of Riley, uh, another, I just grabbed an episode. I was trying to, I was trying out some plugins for the website. Okay. So, <laughs> and then I forgot. But this one is with the, the Gillises, their neighbors. And that's, uh, is it Henry Corden that plays Fred Flintstone for a while? Uh, no, actually it's, uh, Alan Reed who played oh, the, Alan uh, Reed. the, the You're voice. Right. right. Okay. Yeah. It's very distinct. You, you, I mean, when you listen to the shows, uh, you can tell that's yeah. uh, Fred Flintstone. And uh, it, so this one there, of course, uh, uh, the Gill- Gillis and Riley have a rivalry going, and uh, they're trying to get uh, jockeying for a position in the uh, in the plant where they work, and the boss is coming for Thanksgiving. So it's funny, really funny episode. Yes, it is. Um, and after that, we have another one of my fra- favorite shows, the Mel Blanc Show. And it's the uh, Thanksgiving Party, which aired on 11-26-1946. Uh, Mel Blanc, known as the Man of a Thousand Voices. Uh, that show, uh, I did an episode on that. I think it was my first or second episode on the OTR playlist. But uh, the show didn't run that long, September 46 till uh, June of 1947. But, uh, and one thing we were just talking about this before the, uh, we started the, uh, episode here is the, one of the problems with, with the Mel Blanc show that I found from what the episodes I can find is some of them sound good and some of them sound okay. Yeah. This is one and, and not to scare anyone that are, that's going to start listening to the episode, but mostly I notice it in the, the musical intros and in, in the uh, episode here where there, it sounds a little muffled, but it's a great story. Uh, Mel gives his turkey to the local orphanage because he thinks that Mr. Colby has forgotten, which it's actually, you find out in the end what what the true story about it is but uh it's a great uh thanksgiving episode yeah yeah i enjoyed it i like mel blank anyway and it's just it's kind of weird to hear him doing other things besides cartoon voices but it's really it's a really funny show so then after that uh we're going to hear an episode of great gilder sleeve and that was originally broadcast on november 22nd 1942 and um this was actually i had never heard of this show before i i think i heard the name gilder sleeve and it's actually a uh, uh, spinoff from Fibber McGee and Molly. And uh, the character is actually a bachelor that's raising his niece and nephew, I think. And um, in this one, it, this is uh, during the war. It was broadcast during the war. So there's a lot of rationing going on. And uh, uh, I think we also hear a little bit of that in the Burns and Allen show. And it's just kind of weird to hear that, that they had to... Sometimes, like on Thanksgiving, you think of it being the food everywhere, but they had to go without so the soldiers could win the war, I guess. Right, yeah, exactly. Because I, I think they do reference that, uh, and it could have been, we've listened to a lot, but I'm pretty yes. sure it was a Burns and Ale <laughs> episode where they reference, like, um, I think she bought a hat or something, and, and he's saying, well, Gracie, you know, everything yep. that you buy raises up the price, and, and it takes away from our, our servicemen to win the war. I mean, that's a, for me, uh, cause I am a, uh, I don't want to say a fan of World War II, but I love the era. I'd like to learn more about everything like that and just listen to newsreels. And so to hear them 
when they come into a show and say, you know, you got to buy war bonds or about rationing and stuff like that. It's, um, it's really cool to, to, to think back of how that would actually have been. Like today, I went to the store and, uh, the stores that we have here have, you know, most stores have a bonus card or some sort of right. in-store card that you get. And, uh, it was like, if you spent so much, you would get a turkey for, I think it was 49 cents a pound. Right. And there's right. just, just, there's just turkeys everywhere. Yep. So to think of having to ration and, and stand in lines for hours to get things, um, I, you know, we just don't understand that now. Right. Right. So yeah, I enjoyed this show. I'm going to listen to more of these, uh, in the future. Yeah, well, I'm sure we'll, I'm sure we'll do a show on it. Uh, I'm actually, uh, not really that familiar with it as well. I did read up that it was a spinoff and it was, I guess it was one of the first successful, um, radio shows where that happened, where it came, character came from one show and then moved into, uh, their own. Right. Cause like Mel Blank was on a bunch of different shows. You heard him, you actually hear him, I believe, in this, uh, and the Burns and Allen episode as the mailman. Yep. And, yep. and, uh, I think he did that character on the Jack Benny show as well. I think as, you're and, right. Yeah. Yeah. And a bunch of other voices. I mean, you can always hear when he, when they pop in. Yeah. So, uh, like Alan Reed, I've heard him on other shows here and there. So it's, uh, I, it, it's just amazing to me. You know, yeah. we, we think now like, oh, that's just Fred Flintstone, but you don't right. think <laughs> back of all where it came from, where that actor, because that's what they are, is, you know, voice actors now, uh, that's where they came from, all this stuff. I mean, George Burns to me was, was in, uh, what was it? Oh God. Oh God. I think yeah. It was. Is it on numerous, uh, talk shows and stuff? Yeah, so I mean, he was this old guy with a cigar, right? So to so, so to hear all this, uh, that's why I just that's why I love all this old time radio stuff. Yeah. Um, and talking about turkey, so the last show that you're going to hear is uh, one of my favorites. It's a little later on, but it's still old time radio. Uh, it's Gene Shepard, and uh, he it's the episode is uh, Thanksgiving Turkey, and that aired on eleven twenty four sixty eight. And Gene Shepard uh, had a radio show on WOR in New York City. And not only that, uh, he was the narrator of A Christmas Story, right. the film from 1980. I don't, I'm not sure exactly the date, <laughs> early in the 80s, right. uh, with the Red Rider B. Begun. And he is, was the base, his stories were the basis behind that, that uh, movie. And if you go to the website or check the, the feed, there is an OTR playlist on Gene Shepard from last December as well. They have uh, like three or four episodes of his radio show. Yeah. He's a great, great storyteller. He is. He is. And he's actually, um, I grew up in that area. I didn't realize, I didn't know who he was when I was a kid. And I had vaguely known that he was associated with the Christmas story movie, but I had never seen the Christmas story until a couple of years ago, which I was kind of ashamed to admit now. But when you told me that today, I was like, wow. <laughs> how'd you how'd you miss that one i know <laughs> but i can't I, I can't poke fun really because i mean i do throwback reviews podcast which is where we talk about 70s and 80s movies i was born in 74 and there's been some movies that we've done that i i had never seen like right. ghostbusters and stuff like that like i saw little parts of it here and there but yeah, not until yeah. i did the show that i actually get to sit down and watch some movies so i mean they slip by yeah but it, they do you know, i'm you may enjoy it more now. I mean, he's in the movie. He's got a little cameo in the movie in the uh, in the department store. Oh, I didn't even realize that. 
I'll have to check it out. Uh, but yeah, Gene Shepard, it's, um, it's not so much because this is a radio show. He's telling, it's on Thanksgiving and he's telling a story of how he, uh, gets held up from a date by a flock of, uh, turkeys. Right. <laughs> so anyways, why don't we, uh, go ahead and start off the show with Burns and Allen. Gracie buys a live turkey. Hello. Are you there? Well, we're here. Swan's the soap that's pure and gentle. Come on, come on, swing to Swan. Lever Brothers, the makers of Swan, the new white floating soap, present the Burns and Allen Show with Paul Whiteman. Our singer, Jimmy Cash, yours truly, Bill Goodwin, the six hits and a miss, and George Burns and Gracie Allen. Here they are. Well, today George and Gracie are discussing a subject that most husbands never mention to their wives. In fact, it's a subject that never arises in the average American home. Let's listen. Gracie, you've been spending too much money. Look at this budget for November. Well, it balances. We're not spending any more than we make. I know, but that's the trouble. Some of the items in this budget are ridiculous. Milk for cats, two dollars? We haven't got any cats. No, but we have mice. Well, I don't get it. Well, if I put bowls of milk all around the house, the mice will think we have cats and they'll be afraid to come out of the hole. Oh, fine. And some night I'll kick over a bowl of milk and ruin the rug. Oh, you're right, dear. I hadn't thought of that. Oh, I know. I'll scare the mice with milk that doesn't splash. Milk that doesn't splash? Sure, cheese. <laughs> Yeah, that'll scare the mice to death. I'll answer it. Okay, dear. Oh, it's the postman. Good morning, Mr. Postman. Good morning, Mrs. Burns. Only one for you today, and I'm afraid that one's a bill. Oh, well, that's all right, Mr. Postman. I realize the post office only sends us what they get. How are you feeling? Oh, simply marvelous. I took an ice-cold shower. Ice cold shower this morning and then ran around the reservoir a couple of times in my shorts. I guess that's what put all this pep in me. Oh, well, no doubt about it. It is a gorgeous morning, isn't it? Cool and snappy, sort of. Yeah. On a morning like this, I can feel the blood racing through my veins, can't you? Well, no, I can't, but then you're much closer to your veins than I am. Yeah, that's true. Well, goodbye, Mrs. Burns. Remember, keep smiling. Um, any, any mail there? Oh, it's just a bill, probably for my new hat. It only costs $12. $12? Well, well, George, I only buy what I absolutely have to. Just bare necessities. Is a $12 hat a bare necessity? No, but I didn't want my head to be one. <laughs> Gracie, you don't need any more hats. And today, when you buy anything you don't need... You're taking something away from our fighting men. Oh, gee, I, I never thought of that. I'll wrap up the hat right away. That's the idea. I wonder who would have looked better on, a soldier or a sailor? <laughs> Gracie, it's not the hat. You see, very few things are being made for civilians today. And if everybody tries to buy those things, the demand makes prices go up and we've got inflation. Oh, well, gee, the sales girl said that the hat would cause comment, but I never thought it would cause inflation. <laughs> Well, let's get back to this budget. What's this silly item? Bicycle pump, $1. Well, that's an economy. That'll save us lots of money on breakfast food. A 
bicycle pump will save us money on breakfast food? Well, yeah, and from now on, we'll pump our own rice. <laughs> yes, that'll save us a fortune. And what's this? Rose bushes, $75. Well, you know that florist who has that lovely big greenhouse just off Glendale Boulevard? Yes. Well, I happened to be out in that direction yesterday and went through it. Yeah, but I don't see any, I don't see any rose bushes around here. Where are they? Well, there's one still stuck in the bumper of my car. You, uh, you really went through yeah, it. Yeah, mm. but I'll save enough money to make up for it. I- I'm going to buy one of those things that conductors punch tickets with. What's that for? Well, then we won't have to pay the cleaner to take the spots out of your necktie. I see. We just punch them out. Yeah. Mm. Look. Sweetheart, from now on, we only buy what we absolutely need. The rest of the money goes for for war bonds. But we do buy war bonds every month. Yes, but if we cut out if we if we cut out these silly things, we can we can really buy more. And 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 not only that, we get four dollars back for every three dollars we put in. We help prevent inflation and we help win the war. Oh, you're right, dear. Everybody should cut down on their spending and put that money into war bonds. That's the idea. So let's throw the silly budget right out of the window. Well, but don't you want to look at the items for our Thanksgiving dinner? Hmm. We'll cut that, too. Oh. The turkey we had last year should have had a pilot and a bombardier. <laughs> well, this year we're only getting a 12-pound turkey, three pounds for each of us. Well, I don't follow that arithmetic. Well, Blanche and Harry Morton are going to eat with us. Not again. Those sponges have had Thanksgiving dinner at our house five years in a row. They're not sponges, George. They contribute their share. Every year, Blanche brings over a jar of her homemade pickle peaches. I know, I know. Uh, and every year, Harry helps you clean the walls when the car, the jar explodes. Sure, they're, they're absolutely wonderful peaches. Hi, George. Hello, Gracie. What's cooking? I am. Burnt up about Harry Morton. That guy's a sponge. He's not a sponge. He is, too. We'll leave it to Bill. Now, now, wait a minute, George. I'd rather not get in the middle of a family quarrel. Bill, I'm trying to prove to Gracie that Morton is a sponge. Now, you know him. What do you say? Well, George, of course, there's only one way to tell a sponge. That is, a real sponge. You rub soap on it, and if you get loads and loads of pure baby gentle suds, you've got Swan, the new white floating soap. What's Harry Morton got to do with Swan soap? Well, now, look, George, I, I don't want to get involved in a family argument. Yeah, but just answer me one question. Have you ever known Morton to reach for a check... Well, uh... Well, come on, admit it, have you? Well, uh, maybe you don't notice his hand when he reaches across the white tablecloth to pick up a check because his hands are so soft and white. You know, he washes his wife's dishes with swan soap, George. Oh, <laughs> brother. That's swan for you, George. So kind to your hands. Mild as the finest Castile soaps. So mild you should use it not only for washing the dishes, but for every soap and water job in the house. In fact... Swan is Bill, for everything. Bill, I'm going to get you to agree that Harry Morton is a moocher if, it, if it's the last thing I do. What about the other day when the three of us went into a drugstore for sodas? Who paid the check? Oh, you mean the drugstore that's having the sale on swan soap? Yeah. How about that? Oh, it's going great. Lots of dealers are now running a big sale on swan. <laughs> Bill, I'm talking about Harry Morton. Oh, well, he bought three bars. Oh. You know, you buy three bars and save. Yes, sir, you save in more ways than one. Well, I give up. There's a guy who invites himself to my house for Thanksgiving dinner, and nobody agrees with me that he's a chiseler. Well, now, wait a minute. Did he do that? Yes. Well, anyone who invites himself to your house for Thanksgiving dinner without being asked certainly is a chiseler. There. You see, Gracie? Oh, George, that reminds me why I dropped in. Why? Shake hands with another chiseler. So long. See you Thanksgiving. <laughs> well, I'm glad his salary is frozen. It'll be easier to break off. 
Anyway, Gracie, there's no reason why we should buy a turkey to feed the Mortons. Well, but, John... Look, look, Gracie, we... Why can't we eat at their house for a change? Well, uh, I could call Blanche and sort of hint around. Well, I wish you would. Of course, I don't want you to be too blunt about it. Oh, don't worry, George. She won't suspect a thing. Mm. I'll be very subtle about it. Uh, uh, hello? Hello, Blanche. Uh, this is Gracie. How about inviting us for Thanksgiving dinner this year? That's very subtle. What did you say, Blanche? Oh, oh, I see. Your mother and father are coming for Thanksgiving. What? Oh, no, no, that's all right. Yeah, we understand. Goodbye, Blanche. Well, Judge, Blanche's mother and father are going to be in town. I know, I heard. So we won't need to get a, a turkey for four people. Oh, good. We'll get one for six. Ah. This is Paul Whiteman, and here's Jimmy Cash voicing the hopes of millions of people all over the world. George didn't say positively that the Mortons couldn't come for Thanksgiving dinner. He just gave Gracie a dollar and a half and told her to buy the turkey. So now we pick up Gracie at Myers Market. Hello, Mr. Myers. Oh, good afternoon, Mrs. Burns. Well, now, I'm in sort of a hurry. Can you wait on me right away? Why, of course I can. What would you like? Well, I'd like to place an order Gracie, for... Gracie, darling! Gracie <laughs> Sagwell! Oh, my, it's good to see you again, Gracie. Where have you been keeping yourself? All around. Where have you been? Oh, here and there. Oh, hell, no wonder we haven't seen each other. <laughs> oh, what are you doing? Shopping for dinner? Yes, I bought some nice carrots. Oh, well, what a piece of luck, Tootsie. Only yesterday I read the most wonderful new recipe. It's called Carrot Supreme. Oh, it sounds delicious. Oh, it is. First you take the carrots. Yes. And then you wash them. Yes. And, well, that's all I remember, but it's called Carrot Supreme, and it's wonderful. <laughs> oh, 
I can't wait to try it. Oh, dear. Mr. Myers has wandered off somewhere. Mr. Myers? Uh, yes, Mrs. Burns. Look, I, uh, I don't want to be a pet, but I am in a hurry, and could you wait on me now? Right away. What would you like? Well, I'd like... Oh, Tootsie, I noticed you're carrying a hat box. Yes, I got a new hat at Sally's. Well, I got a new hat, too, but George made me send it back. Is he trying to act like a man again? <laughs> well, he he was right this time. We're cutting our budget down, and besides, the hat was pretty extreme. What are the new creations? Well, yeah, with a military motive. The hat had a flat top, and when you leaned over, a little toy airplane took off. <laughs> oh, how it's... Oh, my goodness, Mr. Myers is gone again. He's much too scatterbrained to run a market. Mr. Myers! Yes, Mrs. Burns? Look, I, I hate to complain about the service, but I do think you might remember that I'm in a hurry. I'm sorry, Mrs. Burns. What would you like? Well, I'd like it. Oh, Tootsie, look! Look who's driving by the market. Who, who is it, Gracie? Bill Walsh. Have you still got a crush on him? Not anymore. After what happened Saturday night, I never want to see him again. Why? What did happen? Oh, I invited him for dinner, and I thought it would be more cozy if I locked all the doors. <laughs> well? Well, there I was picking broken window glass out of my soup. <laughs> well, this is the limit. That silly Mr. Myers has forgotten all about it. And Mr. Myers! Yes, Mrs. Burns. Look, if, if you want me to trade here, you shouldn't keep disappearing when you know I'm in a hurry. Okay, Mrs. Burns, what would you like? How much is turkey? Fifty cents a pound. All right, here's a dollar and a half. Give me an 18-pound turkey. <laughs> oh, Mrs. Burns, that isn't enough. Oh, yes, it is. We're only having six for dinner. No, 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 no. A dollar and a half would only buy that little turkey over there. He only weighs three pounds. Oh, wh why didn't you pluck his feathers out like the others? Well, he might not like it. You see, he's alive. Oh. Say, I, I've got an idea. I could fatten him up, and then the Mortons would come to dinner, and it'll only cost George a dollar and a half. Mr. Myers, I'll take him. Okay, Mrs. Burns, I'll get it. Gracie, what does George say if you bring a live turkey in the house? Oh, gee, I never thought of that. He'll be mad. He, he even had a fight with Herman this morning. Did he pick on that sweet little duck? Yeah, George yelled and yelled, but Herman didn't say a word. He just sat there quietly in the nest he'd made of George's shorts. <laughs> oh, such a darling. Yes. Oh, I know. I'll sneak the turkey in. Tootsie, would you lend me your hat box to hide it in? Of course I would. I've been dying to show you my new hat anyway. I'll take it out of the box. All right. Here's the turkey, Mrs. Burns. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not by the neck. You hold him by the feet. Oh, all right. Oh, my, his little feet are chapped. <laughs> well, he, he shouldn't be running around barefooted in November. <laughs> oh, Mr. Myers, why does he make that funny noise? Well, all turkeys gobble. Well, then he should eat slower. <laughs> or, or else take some bicarbonate of soda. Wacy, look. I've got on my new hat. How do you like it? Well, do you want my frank opinion, or would you rather have me tell a little white lie? I I'll take the little white lie. Tootsie, it's simply gorgeous. <laughs> oh, thank you, Gracie. Welcome, Tootsie. Goodbye. <laughs> Oh, dear. Oh, back so soon. Gracie, did you buy another hat? Uh-uh. And what's in the box? What box? The box you have under your arm. Uh, what arm? 
What arm? Well, uh, you, you mean arm. this arm? Hmm. Uh, the one attached to my shoulder? <laughs> yes, what's in it? Oh, bones and muscles and arteries. And... Not the arm, not the arm, the box. Oh, the, the, the box. The box, the box. What's in it? Well, um, uh, a picture? Are you asking me? No, 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 I'm telling you. It's a picture of my cousin Philip. That's what it is, a picture. You know, a talking picture. Oh, you know, cousin Philip spoke very little English. Chrissy, for the last time, what is in that box? Well, all right, I'll tell you. But you've got to promise you won't get mad. Will you get mad? No. How much do you want to bet? Gracie. <laughs> well, you told me I could spend a dollar and a half for a turkey. So I bought a little live one, and we can fatten them up, and that way you, we never uh, lost them over. You bought a live turkey? Well, they're easier to fatten up that way than the other kind. Oh, well, that's fine. I knew we'd wind up feeding those Martins again. Okay, let's see this turkey that we're going to fatten up. Hey, he isn't very friendly. Hmm. He looks like he's thinking of biting my nose off. Well, look what you're thinking of doing to him. Yes, I, I guess so. Oh, ho, 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 it's my darling little ducky. Oh, ho, Herman, Mama has a surprise for you. Yes, really. Look in this box. It's only a little turkey. Ah. And he's going to live with us for a while, Herman. <coughs> oh, oh, why, Herman Burns, you're jealous. <coughs> this is the happiest moment of my life. Berlin's This is the Army, here's a tune that's coming up fast to be a real winner. The boys and six hits and a miss, and I'm getting tired so I can sleep. Dreaming 
I see are Herman and that Tux uh, and, and that duck still fighting in the pantry. Well, I, I, I'll look and see. <laughs> I think they're still fighting. Hmm. I got the same impression. Unless we do something, the neighbors will be complaining about the noise. Yeah, I wouldn't put it past that snippy Mrs. Marks who lives next door. She, she's had it in for me ever since I borrowed her vacuum cleaner last week. I don't know why. Well, maybe you kept it too long. Oh, no, no. I gave it back to her as soon as I finished cleaning the fish. <laughs> Very unreasonable woman. Hi, people. What brings you back, Chisler? Well, that's what brought me back. I invited myself over here for Thanksgiving dinner, and then I remembered I have a date with a girl for Thanksgiving. Oh, well, it's too bad, Bill. But, Gracie, you love having her. She eats like a horse. <laughs> oh, fine. Well, Bill, your Thanksgiving dinner's in the pantry, and he's fighting with that silly duck. Oh, a live turkey? Mm. Well, I better go out and break it up. You know, it'd be just like Herman to bite him in the part I like best. <laughs> Leave it to me, George. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Just a minute. Don't you birds realize that you get along better in life if you behave yourself and don't fight? Yes, that's so. Now, you take the case of a little swan I know, Herman. He was a good little bird, and now he's famous. They put his picture on every swan wrapper, and he's very proud. Because swan is the new white floating soap that gives you all that pure, mild lather so fast. So you see, Herman, it pays to be a sweet little bird. Yes, that's so. Oh, shut up. Oh, now, now, wait a minute. I, I didn't mean that, Herman. I meant you should be gentle, like swan soap is gentle. It's as mild as the finest Castile soaps, so mild that mothers use it to bathe their babies, so mild that it's perfect for anybody's bath or shower. So, Herman, why don't you be mild and gentle, too, and put your wing around a cute, itsy-bitsy baby turkey? <laughs> Uh, Why, listen, you little... You little ducky. There's there's plenty of room for both of you. So instead of fighting, why don't you go half and half? You know, like swan soap. You break it in two, put half in the kitchen for dishes and cleaning, and the other half in the bathroom for your hands and face. Now, do you see what I'm talking about, Herman? Well, what do you say to the little turkey? Hey, ow! Well, so long, George. So long, Gracie. Oh, what's your hurry, Bill? Why are you limping? Herman bit me in the part he likes best. Goodbye. <laughs> Gracie, Gracie, go into the pantry and stop that fighting or we'll be thrown out of the neighborhood. All right, dear. Oh, now, now, stop that right now. Stop it. Why, shame on you, Herman Burns. That's no way to treat a little girl turkey. <laughs> Yes, yes, a girl. Uh, Herman, isn't she cute? Yes. Oh. Why, Herman Burns. You know, sometimes I think you're older than you look. George. Gracie. Look, George, Gracie, a man you. just delivered all these things. What are they anyway? Well, they're for the turkey, George. I bought a little tub for it to swim around in, and I a also tub? bought... A tub for the turkey to swim around in? Well, yes, I thought it would be more humane. The, the turkey can get used to it by degrees, and it won't be such a shock when the time comes. Get used to what by degrees? Well, I'm going to fill the tub with gravy. <laughs> well, that 
That's a brilliant idea. Uh, anything else? Yes, yeah. I bought a sun lamp. A sun lamp for the turkey? Yes. Yeah. Well, why did you get that? Well, mostly for your sake. For my sake? Yeah, I know you prefer dark meat. <laughs> Gracie, your ideas about raising a turkey are too advanced. But, George, people shouldn't be afraid to try something new. Suppose Marconi had been afraid to experiment. We'd only have spaghetti. <laughs> Oh, sure, sure. Gracie, this turkey is costing me a fortune. Look at these price tags. Tough, $5. Sunlamp, $15. I could have bought three turkeys with this. This is absolutely ridiculous. Going out and buying. (laughs) Have you a little turkey and a little duck, as reported by a neighbor? Well, yes. Why? Uh, May I refer you to Statute 193 of this county? Hmm? Possession of two or more live fowl shall in this county be deemed if. So, facto, a poultry farm, and such aforesaid property pertaining thereof shall be governed according to Article 38, Section 17 of the laws of said county. <laughs> what, uh, what does that mean? Cough up ten bucks for a poultry license. <laughs> well, that does it. I'm going into that pantry, and the next time you see that turkey, he'll have parsley where his feathers used to be. Oh, but dear... Come on, come on. I'm going to settle this right now. I knew that this thing would cost me a fortune. George, George, look, look. Herman and the turkey. Herman's got his wing around it. (laughs) Ah. Ah. Well. That's fine. Get this. Love comes to Herman Burns. George, George, come inside a minute. What? George, I won't let you touch that turkey. It would be inhuman, that's what it would be. What would be inhuman? To eat our son's fiancé for Thanksgiving dinner. George and Grace, you'll be right back, so I've got just a second to remind you to stop in where you see the swan sign that says, buy three and save. Take advantage of the big sale on swan that so many dealers are now running. And don't forget, sale or no sale, you save with swan. You save because swan gives you more soap per penny than any leading toilet soap tested. And you save because swan goes further than easily wasted package soaps. No matter what you use swan for, it saves you money. So buy three bars and save. Well, here they are again, George and Gracie. Gracie's on the phone. Hello? Is this Harry Morton? Oh, Harry. Harry, will will you tell Blanche George is on his way over with a little turkey? He wouldn't let me keep it. It's pretty small, but you can fatten him up. How? Well, just feed a chocolate fudge sundae. Well, sure, sure it'll work. Look at your wife. Next week at the same time, Eddie Cantor will be George and Gracie's guest. And there's a rumor that Ida... There's a rumor that Ida might join the Beverly Hills Uplift Society. So the makers of Swan, the new white floating soap, 
Join George and Gracie in inviting you to tune in. Remember, Swan now brings you two of radio's top shows. George Burns and Gracie Allen, and Tommy Riggs and Betty Lou over another network. And now till next week, this is Bill Goodwin saying, Well, I, Swan, how about you? Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you're all having a nice Thanksgiving day. And I believe you some questions about Thanksgiving there for me to answer. Quite a few. Let's begin with this one from a Summit, New Jersey listener. Who ate the most at the first Thanksgiving dinner? The Indians. The Indians not only had larger appetites, but they outnumbered white men at the first Thanksgiving feast, 90 to 55. Next, the Smithtown Long Island man asks, Are all the people of this country celebrating Thanksgiving on the same day this year? No, not all. The people of Florida, Idaho, Nebraska, Tennessee, Texas, and Virginia have to wait till next Thursday to celebrate Thanksgiving. Why is that? Didn't President Roosevelt proclaim the 23rd as Thanksgiving Day? Yes, and Congress passed a resolution that Thanksgiving Day should always fall on the fourth Thursday of the month. But the President and Congress don't make legal holidays. That's a state's right. And these six states, the legislature or governor, decided on the last Thursday, which this year is the fifth Thursday of the month. This letter from a Brooklyn woman reads, Which was the bigger holiday in pilgrim times, Christmas or Thanksgiving? My husband says Thanksgiving, but that doesn't seem to make sense to me. Maybe it doesn't, but your husband is right. Thanksgiving was a far more important festivity, for to many Puritans, the celebration of Christmas was idolatry, hateful idolatry. A young man of Greenwich, Connecticut, wonders why we call a turkey a turkey since the bird didn't come from the country turkey. No, but when the bird was first introduced into Europe, the name turkey was used to mean any far distant land. So it was natural for them to call it a turkey cock. A man who lives in Garfield, New Jersey, inquires, when was Thanksgiving Day first celebrated by the whole United States? On November 26, 1789, when, at the request of Congress, George Washington proclaimed a day of Thanksgiving for the whole nation. It's new, it's amazing, it's Prell, P-R-E-L-L, Procter & Gamble's new Radiant Cream Shampoo in the handy tube. Prell brings you the life of Riley. Prell, the shampoo that removes unsightly dandruff in as little as three minutes and leaves hair radiantly clean, radiantly lovely, presents The Life of Riley with William Bendix as Riley. Well, Thursday was Thanksgiving, as that fresh cranberry stain on your vest will indicate. And today we find Chester A. Riley thankful that it's all over. But a few days before Thanksgiving, Riley was singing a different tune as he was walking home from work with his friend, neighbor, and co-worker, Jim Gillis. Hey, wait, Gillis. Let's go down this street here. I got to pick up our Thanksgiving turkey at Al's Meat Market. Oh, I'm glad you reminded me. My honeybee told me to pick ours up. Ah, great guy, Al. You know, in our house, all four of us like the drumstick, and nobody likes the, uh, uh, the whatchamacallit. So, this year, Al promised to give me a turkey with four drumsticks. <laughs> How is that possible? One turkey with four drumsticks? Yeah, well, with Al, it's easy. Some other customer will get a turkey with no drumsticks and two whatchamacallits. <laughs> You know, I love Thanksgiving, Gillis. Yeah, me too. It's nice to stay home and bask on the bosom of the family. 
Yeah, we're pretty lucky compared to other guys. We got something to be thankful for. After all, we've got our health. Yeah, that's something to be thankful for. We each got fine kids who were married to two fine, plain, home-loving girls. Yeah, that's something to be thankful for. You know, Gillis, we might have married a couple of flashy dames just for their looks. You know the type, those luscious blondes with those gorgeous figures, but we didn't. That's something to be thankful for. <laughs> and that ain't all. I'm thankful for the good friends I got. Like you, Gillis. A guy couldn't ask for no better friend than you. You're... You're wonderful. I love you, too, Riley. <laughs> I feel like we're more than just friends. We're brothers. Oh, we're more than brothers. We're sisters. <laughs> Under the skin. I'll never forget what you did that time our house burned down and we had no place to live. Ah, what did I do? So I let your family live in my house for a couple of weeks. Any noble-type person would have did the same. Yeah, but you only charged us $4 a day, the ceiling price. <laughs> well, one good thing to say is another. I was just paying you back for that time five years ago when I needed that blood transfusion to save my life. I'll never forget how you offered your blood. Oh, it was nothing... I just called up the blood bank and told them to give you a pint out of the quart I gave them. I, I know, Riley, but it ain't your blood. It's the thought behind it. Gillis, I got a great idea. Why don't you and the family have Thanksgiving dinner at our house? We'll all give thanks together. Hey, that's a super pipe idea. I'll bring over our turkey and all the trimmings. Great. Oh, boy, what a Thanksgiving we'll have. Two turkeys, two dishes of cranberry sauce, two boats of gravy, two pumpkin pies... Two big cigars to smoke after dinner. And two wives to do the dirty dishes. Chester Riley, how could you go and invite the Gillises for Thanksgiving dinner without telling me? I'd like to feed my guests, and we've only got one small turkey. Relax, and Peg, relax. I also invited their turkey. Oh. <laughs> Oh, no. No, it, it's not right to let guests bring food. Now, we'll buy... Dumpling, the... it's real holiday spirit. When we sit down to eat, it won't be their food or our food. It'll be all for one and everybody for himself. We'll <laughs> have fun. Well, I don't mind Mr. Gillis, but Mrs. Gillis is an awful pill. Now, see here, Babs. You're talking about my best friend's wife. Honey Bee Gillis is not a pill. Bob's right. She's long and skinny. <laughs> She's more like a capsule. Oh, Junior. You watch that fresh talk, Junior. You ain't getting so big that I can't get your mother to spank you. Ah, uh, I'm sorry, Pop. But that Egbert Gillis is murder. And when he sits down at the table, he eats like a wolf. I said stop it. Just remember, that wolf happens to be the cub of my best friend. <laughs> now, it's all settled. The Gillises are coming to dinner. My head's made up. We'll be late for work. So anyway, Gillis, when I told Peg and the kids that you and the family is coming over for Thanksgiving dinner, they were thrilled. You know what they said? How should I know what they said? I ain't the kind of a next-door neighbor goes around eavesdropping. Well, they said, Riley, that's a wonderful idea. Oh, fine. And tell Junior not to worry. I'll see that my egg boy don't eat like a wolf. <laughs> Gillis, you hurt. Well, 
Ever since that cut-rate dentist filled my tooth with copper, my ears pick up like a radio. <laughs> now, come on. If we're late once more this month, the boss will blow his top. Oh, quit worrying. Mr. Stevenson went out of town for Thanksgiving. No, no. He's staying here. Only his family went away. The chauffeur told me. Oh, well, then we better snap it up. Hi, fellas. Hiya, Sharky. Hi. Heard the news? Botkin quit his job. You mean... You mean the foreman, Benzedrine Botkin? Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. Who's going to be the new foreman? Nobody knows yet. Stevenson is going to announce somebody after Thanksgiving. Oh, that's a great job. I wonder who's going to get it. Yeah, I wonder. Every guy in the plant is angling for it. All sorts of schemes going on. Well, I got to go, fellas. Hey, Sharky, what's that you got wrapped in that newspaper? Oh, this? Yeah. Just some petunias I picked for the boss's desk. <laughs> Ain't that disgusting, Riley? What some guys won't do just to butter up the bush. Positively sickening. Now, me, I don't mind putting in eight hours of hard work for Stevenson, and I'll gladly work overtime for time and a half. <laughs> but when it comes to playing up to him, I draw the line. That's when I revolt. I'm with you, pal. I revolt, too. Yes, sir. We're both revolting. <laughs> Hello, Stevenson speaking. Hello, boss. This is Gillis. I just heard you're going to be a bachelor on Thanksgiving. Me and the family would love to have you break bread on us. Well, say, that's awfully nice of you, Gillis. I think I can... Uh, hold on a minute, will you? My other phone's ringing. Hello? Hello, boss. This is Riley. What are you doing for dinner on Thanksgiving? <laughs> Mr. Stevens? Well, sure. He'll let me know definite tomorrow, but he'll come. Yes, sir. I'm out to get that foreman's job, Dumplin', and this will cinch it. Oh, how? While you're stuffing his stomach with turkey, I'll be stuffing his head about how good I am. Oh, but you can't do that, especially with the Gillises here. Oh, the Gillises won't be here. I'll uninvite them. Well, you couldn't do that. It, it isn't fair. Yeah, I, I know. It's kind of a double cross, but this may be the break of my lifetime. And after all, I'm not double-crossing just anybody. I'm doing it to my best friend. <laughs> but, honeybee, don't you get it? I invite the big boss here to dinner, I get in good with him, and the next day I'm foreman. But you promised to go to the Riley. Oh, I'll get out of that, pooch face. <laughs> this is a crucial thing. Now leave everything to me, vision of loveliness. <laughs> Oh, hiya, Gillis. I was just coming over to see you, pal. I was just coming over to see you, Riley, my friend. Uh, listen, chum. Uh, about this joint Thanksgiving dinner over at my joint, I was thinking... That's funny, Riley. So was I. Yeah, I, I thought maybe we ought to call it off. Oh, you was? Yeah. You, you see, Gillis, I figured the best way to keep a friendship going is not to get too friendly. Well, you got a good point there in your head. In fact, it's very dangerous to get together Thanksgiving. I can see just what's going to happen. You'll come over with your wife and Egbert and your turkey. And there's me and my wife and kids and our turkey. It's very crowded. Where am I sitting? On the piano stool. Very uncomfortable. And everybody's nerves is on edge. First thing you know, my junior says to your Egbert, Hey, Egghead, don't eat like a wolf. Yeah, and then my Egbert takes a poke at your junior and gives him a bloody nose. Right. And then my wife comes in, takes one look at Junior and yells, Junior, wipe that cranberry sauce off your face. But then she finds out what happened, so she turns on my honeybee. That's right. Yes. And Peg says, really, honeybee, you might teach that brat of yours some manners. 
And then, naturally, your honeybee turns on my peg. Well, naturally. And she tells your wife off, but good. And then I gotta stick out for peg, so I say, pipe down, honeybee, you're nothing but a pill. And that gets you sore, Gillis. Why, that's what I always say. Oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. I'm burning up, so I say, see here, Riley, I'm the only one can insult my wife. And then I pick up a thank you leg and throw it at you. And I throw a whatchamacallit at you. <laughs> right in the eye, I get it. So I say to you, listen, you big baboon. Who's a big baboon, Gillis, I say? You are, you weasel, I say. Well, if that's the way you feel, beat it. Go on, take your wife and your kid and your turkey and your stuff. Okay, I'm gone. You know, if that's the way it's going to be, Riley, we better call this dinner off. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you, Gillis. Well, so long, pal. So long, chum. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, we need some more rivets, Gillis. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, quitting time, Riley. Yeah, okay. You know, I sure am glad we called off our Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, much better we should each have a quiet dinner with no headaches, except our wives. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I, Hello, I... Hey, Riley, Riley. Mr. Stevenson. What's he doing in the shop? Riley, I want to thank you again for your invitation for Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, 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 <laughs> Why, you double-crossing snake. And, Gillis, I want to thank you for your invitation, too. <laughs> Gillis, why, you're a bigger snake than I am. Well, what's the trouble, boys? So, that's why you wanted to get out of our joint dinner. Well, what about you? Now, wait a minute, boys. Were you planning to have Thanksgiving dinner together? Well, yes, only I, uh, he, uh, we... Well, uh... fine. That solves everything. I can accept both of your invitations at the same time. So go right ahead with your original plans and count me in. See you tomorrow at three. <laughs> what a revolting development this is. Your boss was coming here for dinner. No saccharin lips. <laughs> That's all changed now. We're all going to eat at Riley's. Oh, but Egbert's been invited to Artie Meyer's house. Good. Maybe it's better my boss don't see our Egbert. Things are tough enough. Well, all right, we'll go. Even if it is Riley's house, you can still drop a few hints about the foreman's job. Oh, no, that's out. Riley and me made the honorable deal. And Hinton wouldn't be croquette. I guess you're right. It's not the honest thing to do. But I got a better plan. We're bringing a takey, and Riley's got a takey. But what do we need two takeys for? Why, yes, one'll be enough for seven people, especially the portions Riley serves. So I'll sell our gobbler and buy the boss a box of his favorite cigars. That'll put us in salad. Oh, Jimsy, you're so But, Dumplin', it's so simple. Gillis is bringing a turkey, and we got a turkey. What do we need two turkeys for? Well, yes, it is a lot, and today with the food shortage... Sure, so I'll sell our turkey and buy the boss a cigar lighter. It's patriotic to save food, and the boss will love me for that lighter. Well, now, wait, uh, Ronnie. Uh, <laughs> poor Gillis, I bet he'd love to borrow my brain. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it, Riley. It's underhanded, and it... Well, it's just not fair. I know, Peg, but you don't understand. This is business. And the business world, it's... It's like a jungle. Beast against beast. That's the only way to get ahead. So don't you worry. 
When I'm foreman, you'll give thanks that you're married to a beast like me. We'll hear the second act of The Life of Riley in a moment. Say, Ken, millions are asking for Prell, Procter & Gamble's radiant cream shampoo in the handy tube. Of course, Prell's popular for two reasons. First, Prell leaves hair more radiant than any soap or soap shampoo because Prell can't leave a dulling soap film. Second, Prell's a wonder for unsightly dandruff. Yes, Prell removes such dandruff in as little as three minutes. Examinations by a group of doctors proved it. In case after case, even stubborn dandruff was controlled by only two Prell shampoos a week. And that handy Prell tube's popular, too. No messy jars, no waste or spill. A little makes mountains of lather. So for hair radiantly clean, hair free of unsightly dandruff, ask for... P-R-E-L-L Prell shampoo. Leaves hair radiant, gleaming bright. Not a bit of dandruff is in sight. Comes in a tube, handy, too. P-R-E-L-L Prell shampoo. Bye, Prell. And now back to the life of Riley with William Bendix as Riley. Well, I've got the table all set. Oh, it looks beautiful, Beds. Hey, where's the carving knife? Oh, here it is, Pop. I wonder if it's sharp enough. Uh, Junior, bend your head down. Riley! Heaven's sake. Well, don't get excited. I just want one hair. Now, who left the door open like that? Oh, shut it, Daddy. No, 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 no. Leave it open. Well, why, Daddy? Well, Gillis's hands will be so full carrying his turkey, he won't be able to ring the bell. Oh, don't be silly. Shut it, Bad. Say, I almost forgot the champagne. Where's the champagne? Oh, he- here, Daddy. Junior, Junior, empty the ashes out of the bucket and fill it with ice. I'll put the champagne in it. I want the boss to have everything like he has at home. Oh, this champagne's great stuff. Imported from San Diego. Oh, that must be the Gillis's. Happy Thanksgiving, folks. Oh, Mr. Gillis. Come in, come in, Gillis, old pal. I hope you bring your appetite. Don't worry, Riley. I'll gorge up my quota of vittles. Hello, Mr. Gillis. Hi. Gillis, you're alone? Oh, no. Honeybee went in through your kitchen. Oh, naturally. (laughs) Mmm, boy, that turkey smells delicious. Oh, yeah, I smell it, too. That aroma sure has a wonderful odor. Well, I... I don't smell any turkey. Well, Peg, where's your nose? Why, the air is reeking with it. It certainly is. Mmm, <laughs> pardon me while I drool. <laughs> well, I better give Honeybee a hand in the kitchen. Oh, oh there's Mr. Stevenson. Yeah, now, remember, Gillis, no hinting about the job. Not a word. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Oh, hello, Mr. Stevenson. Come on. Hi, boys. Hi there, Chief. Well, Junior, Barbara. Mr. Stevenson, hello. Let me take you? your coat. Thank you, Barbara. Here, sit down, boys. Make yourself at home in my chair. <laughs> uh, what Gillis means is make yourself at home in my chair. In my home. I uh, hope I'm not too early, Riley. Oh, no, you're just in time. We were all waiting for you, including the turkey. <laughs> ah, turkey. Just the thought of it makes my mouth water. Riley, give the boss a blotter. Oh. <laughs> well, should we sit down, Peg? Huh? Yes, dear, I'm all right. Oh, okay. oh hello there, everybody. Hello, hello honeybee. Oh, Mr. Stevenson, charm. Simply charm. Pleasure to see you, Mrs. Gillis. Well, shall we sit down, honeybee? Yes, by all means, darling. Well, let's see. You sit here, Mr. Stevenson. Thank you. And, uh, let me see. Honeybee and Miss yeah, Gillis there. Yeah, yeah. And Ronnie, you sit there. Yeah. Oh, and Babs and Junior. Oh, yeah, uh, here, Mr. Stevenson. 
Hey, uh, Mr. Stevenson, you you do the coffin, huh? Oh, no, no, I couldn't, Riley. Oh, go on. You're good at cutting salaries. Try it on a turkey. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> well, I'm all set. Bring on the turkey. Okay, bring on the turkey. Yep, bring on the turkey. All right, honeybee, bring on the turkey. Sammy, where is it, Peggy, dear? Why, in the kitchen where you put it. I, I didn't put it anywhere. Where'd you put it, darling? Something wrong, folks? Why, yeah, boy, boy, don't worry, boss. We'll track it down. Gillis, where's the turkey you brought? Oh, I didn't tell you. I didn't bring any. You, you didn't? Well, where's the turkey you had? Oh, uh, well, 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 that's right. I, I didn't tell you. We ain't got it. Oh. You see, we thought you were... Oh, oh dear. Oh, my. <laughs> well, uh, now, uh... Jimsy, uh, run down to the delicatessen and see if you can get some turkey. Hurry. Okay, sit tight. Uh, excuse me a minute, folks. Uh... uh Riley, uh, say something. Say, uh, uh, I read in a magazine once that sardines have got more vitamins than all... <laughs> uh, uh, how's uh, school coming, Junior? Oh, uh, it's fine, Mr. Stevenson. <laughs> nice weather for Thanksgiving, isn't it? Uh, <clears throat> wonder how Cornell make out against Penn. Uh, I, I was thinking of going to see the new play at the Madison tonight, but I hear it's a turkey. Uh, <clears throat> oh, come now, folks. Just because there's been a little mishap with the turkey doesn't mean we all have to be so glum. Who wants this carving knife? Oh, you, you can't imagine how embarrassed I am, Mr. Stevenson. Well, please don't be. Worse things can happen. Yeah, the, the boss is right. Why... Why, if somebody walked in now and saw us sitting here like this, they'd think this was a funeral. Speak for yourself, John. <laughs> Digger, it's you. Yes, it is I. Digby O'Dell, the friendly undertaker. <laughs> You're looking fine. Very hungry. Uh, why didn't you ring the bell, Digger? Oh, I came in through the kitchen. You see, I... Uh, this is my boss, Mr. Carl Stevenson. Boss, Digger O'Dell. How do you do? Carl Stevenson, well as I live and breathe, if you'll pardon the expression. <laughs> Glad to know you, sir. One of my dearest cronies was your late uncle, Rufus Q. Stevenson, the pawnbroker. Oh, yes, yes, good old Uncle Rufus. A fine man. He once helped me out of a hole. <laughs> I've always regretted I couldn't do the same for him. <laughs> Uh, we, uh, we were almost going to have a little Thanksgiving dinner, Digger. Ah, Thanksgiving. My favorite holiday. Started by the pilgrims, one of whom was my ancestor, Roger O'Dell. Really? Ah, yes. He started the family profession, a stone's throw from Plymouth Rock. Gee, a pilgrim. The very day they landed, they were attacked by a ferocious band of Iroquois. And Roger O'Dell personally made 50 Indians... 
bite the dust. Uh, wait a minute, Digger. He killed 50 Indians? No, the others killed them, but Odell made them bite the dust. <laughs> well, toodaloo. Oh, wait. We'd ask you to stay for dinner, Mr. Odell. Oh, no, thank you. My family and I were invited at the last minute to be the guests of J.J. Gabriel. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's the town's biggest undertaker. Oh, yes. He does a land office business. Uh, you're eating dinner at his place? I have to, for business reasons. So I brought you over our turkey, all cooked and ready to serve. Digger, you brought us a turkey? Yes, I laid it out in the kitchen. <laughs> Oh, Digger, you saved my life. I did? Uh, well, after all, it's a holiday. Oh, thank you very much, Mr. Odell. I really must go. Gabriel is waiting for me outside. That's Gabriel now. And you know me. When Gabriel blows his horn, I come a-running. Well, cheerio. I'd better be shoveling off. Digger sure saved our life with this turkey, eh? Uh, Gillis, Gillis, can't you eat quieter? You sound like a super chief. Oh, my word, Mrs. Riley, I haven't had a meal like this in years. Neither have we. Oh, that's no way to Don't yell at the boy, Dumplin'. He only means we can't eat like this every day with the salary I get on the job I got now. Uh, have some more of my turkey, boss. Huh? Hey, Riley, no hinting. Huh? Here, boss, have one of my radishes. Uh, no, thank you, really. I... How about a little more pie? Here, take mine. No, take mine. I ain't bitten into mine yet. More coffee, boss? <laughs> Please, boys, not another morsel. All I want now is to fall into a soft chair and smoke a good cigar. Oh, well, here, smoke a whole box. With my love. Well, I uh, uh, light him with this nifty lighter, right from my heart. Well, boys, this is very nice of you, but you really shouldn't have done it. I, I don't expect any presents. Oh, forget it, boys. <laughs> well, should we go in the other room? Yeah, let, no, 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 wait. L let's, uh, let's drink a toast. Good right? idea. What do we drink to? Uh, let's uh, drink to the health and happiness of the new foreman. Oh, then you know, Riley. Well, I... Sort of guess. <laughs> you know too, Gillis? Well, I know what a great executive you are, boss. So there's only one man you could pick. Get ready, honeybee. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> well, I'm glad you men like the man of my choice. So here's luck to the new foreman, Joe Beamish. That's Joe, Joe Beamish. <laughs> Joe Beamish? Joe Beamish? Yes, Joe Beamish. Fine fellow. Oh, Gillis, hand me that ashtray, please. Get it yourself. <laughs> Don't be rude. Uh, something wrong? Riley, what's the matter? What's the matter? Making Joe Beamish for me. After all we did for you, some gratitude. What Riley's saying, I'm endorsing in space yet. <laughs> now, wait When you there. open up the plant and you couldn't get no help, who gave up a good job to go and work for you? We did. But where was Joe Beamish? Go on, Riley. Give it to him good. Right in front of me. <laughs> But right during the war, we could have gotten better jobs for more pay, but we stuck with you. And where was Joe Beamish then? He was flying a plane over Germany. Germany. That's a fine place to be with a war going on. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, 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 that 
your Beamish? The one who was wounded? Yes. He's out of the hospital now. And he uses that artificial leg just fine. Besides that, he has seniority and he's a fine worker. You couldn't have picked a better man, boss. I'm sorry if I've disappointed you fellas. Oh, you didn't, Mr. Stevenson. What Riley says, I agree with him. Honest, I, I ain't disappointed either. Joe Beamish deserves the job. That's the way to talk, dear. I don't mind if you're not foreman. Oh, sure. Why should you mind, Dumplin? After all, you've got plenty to be thankful for as it is. You're still young and good-looking. You've got a son who's handsome. You've got a daughter who's gorgeous. And you've got a husband who... who if there's any more turkey left, I'll have to watch him a crawling. <laughs> We'll be back in just a moment. The Wonder Shampoo. That's what they say about Prell, Procter & Gamble's radiant cream shampoo in the handy tube. From Fairlawn, New Jersey, Mrs. P.S. Keller writes, I am so pleased with the results of my Prell shampoo. Even in our hard water, Prell really worked wonders. Left my hair clean and soft, nicely manageable. Yes, one trial, and you'll agree, Prell's a wonder for two reasons. First, Prell removes unsightly dandruff quickly. Second... Prell leaves hair radiantly lovely. Bye. Try. P-R-E-L-L Prell Shampoo. Leaves hair radiant, gleaming bright. Not a bit of dandruff is in sight. Comes in a tube. Handy, too. P-R-E-L-L Prell Shampoo. Well, it, it ended up a nice dinner after all, didn't it, honeybee? Oh, simply scrumptious. And even if we ain't foreman, we're still friends. Hey, Riley? Through thick and thin. Yes, Sir Gillis, and believe me, they don't come any thicker than us. <laughs> Parker Gamble invites you to join us again next week to hear the life of Riley with William Bendix as Riley. William Bendix can currently be seen in the Paramount picture Where There's Life. The script is by Reuben Shipp and Alan Lipscott. Mrs. Riley's Paula Winslow. Digger O'Dell is John Brown. The Life of Riley is produced and directed by Irving Bracker. The Duchess' daughter, her finery looked just so. She washed them all as you water with wonderful ivory snow. Ah, wonderful ivory snow. The soap that's so kind to your hands, you just know it's kind to sheer nylons and dainty lingerie. And your hands will tell you why ivory snow keeps lovely washables lovely longer. Prove it. This week, wash your dishes with ivory snow. When you see how it pampers your hands, you'll really know it's extra kind of fine fabrics. There's no other soap like it. Ivory Snow's the only soap, both ivory mild and in granulated form. Make suds instantly and lukewarm, even in cool water. Your hands will tell you why Ivory Snow keeps pretty lingerie and other nice things lovely longer. Oh, wonderful Ivory Snow. S-N-O-W. This is Ken Carpenter reminding you that for radiantly clean, lovely hair, get the shampoo in the tube. P-R-E-L-L, Prell Shampoo. And listen again next week when Prell brings you the life of Riley. Good night.
This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Manhattan woman wants to know if the Indians knew how to make pumpkin pie. No, they didn't know how to make pie crust. But the Indians did have a pumpkin pudding made with maple syrup. A Camp Upton, Long Island soldier asks, Is there such a thing as a turkey with all white meat? Yes. White turkeys produce all white, or at least light, meat. A letter from an Ossining, New York man reads, As I remember it, the first Thanksgiving was in celebration of a bumper crop. A bumper crop the pilgrims had harvested. Am I right? And what was the crop? You are right. And the crop was primarily corn, barley, and peas. Twenty acres of corn and six of barley and peas. A young man who lives in the Bronx wants to know how long it took the pilgrims to eat their Thanksgiving dinner. Even with the help of the Indians who came to the feast, so much food was prepared it took them a week to eat it all up. A woman writes from Tenafly, New Jersey. Did the colonists learn how to make cranberry sauce from the Indians, or did the Indians learn how from the white settlers? Neither. Each had learned how before they met. When the pilgrim settlers arrived in this country, they found the Indians using cranberries in their pemmican and making a cranberry sauce with maple syrup while the people of Europe had learned to make cranberry sauce with sugar from the Scandinavians. A note from a Hyde Park, New York man reads, What with all the fuss we've been having, whether the third or fourth or fifth Thursday in November should be Thanksgiving, I wonder if you can tell me which one has a historical authority behind it. Which Thursday was the first Thanksgiving held on? The second Thursday, in December. The first Thanksgiving was proclaimed by Governor George Bradford as December 13th, 1621. Hollywood, Colgate Tooth Powder presents the Mel Blanc Show with Mary Jane Croft, Joe Kearns, Jerry Hauser, Hans Conried, Earl Ross, the Sportsman, Victor Miller and his orchestra, and starring the creator of The Voice of Bugs Bunny. Mm. What's up, Dad? Yes, Colgate Tooth Powder for a breath that's sweet and teeth that sparkle brings you the Mel Blanc Show with Mel playing his new character, Zookie. Hello, everybody, 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 Hi. And starring himself in person, Mel Blank. Hi, folks. Ugga, ugga, boo, ugga, boo, boo, ugga. Thanksgiving, and in Mel Blanc's little town, courageous suitors are taking advantage of the holiday spirit to approach prospective fathers-in-law on a delicate subject. In one house, where Sam Green has asked Mr. Brown if he may marry his daughter, Mr. Brown is saying, Sam Green, I'm going to set the date next week. And in another house, where Henry Adams has asked Mr. Jones if he may marry his daughter, Mr. Jones is saying, Henry Adams, I'm going to make you a junior partner in my firm. 
And in the Colby house, where Mel Blank has asked Mr. Colby if he may marry his daughter Betty, Mr. Colby is saying, Mel Blank, I'm going to break every bone in your body! <laughs> Thanksgiving Eve, and in order to get in Mr. Colby's good graces again, Mel Blank is holding a Thanksgiving party in his fix-it shop. He has invited a few of his friends for Thanksgiving dinner. Right now, we find Mel and his girl, Betty, setting the table. Knife, plate, fork, knife, plate, fork, knife, fork. <laughs> Mel, those were the last two plates. Now what do you do? Oh, don't worry. Knife? Piece of plate, fork. <laughs> piece of plate, fork. Gosh, what a beautiful table. Yes, there's a celery stalk, stuffed olives, candied yams, cranberry sauce, all the fixings. And in the center, that great big, beautiful 15-pound salami. <laughs> but now, Father will be awfully mad. He's expecting turkey. Oh, I took care of that. I scooped out the center of the salami, and I stuffed it with chestnut dressing. <laughs> and besides, Betty... What difference does it make, salami or turkey? It's the spirit of Thanksgiving that counts. But, Mel... Anyway, the orphan's home needed the turkey much more than I did. Oh, darling, I love you for giving the turkey to the orphan's home. You always were a softie for children. Well, Betty, you know how I feel about us. Someday we'll get married and we'll have a little two-room house. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Then after a while, we'll add another room. Betty, I refuse to have your father live with us. I mean children. After we get married, there's no reason why we can't have three, four, or five. Yeah, and if we like them, the next year we'll have some more. (laughs) Well, if Dad gets mad at you for not having turkey, I'm going to tell him why. Oh, uh, that's another thing, Betty. I don't want you to tell your father anything. Don't tell anybody. I did it. I'm glad I did it, but I don't have to advertise it. Ah, that's the nicest thing I ever heard, darling. For that, I'm going to give you a great big tip. (laughs) Well, now say something. Such a kiss for a 15-pound turkey? (laughs) Yes. Gosh, I wish it had been 50 pounds. (laughs) Well, if it isn't our lodge secretary, Earl Ross. Hey, how are you feeling, Brother Ross? Ah, potato salad. Oh, yeah, Betty made it. Say, uh, why don't you try some? Well, just a small plate. I don't want to spoil my appetite. Mmm. <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> Pass the olives, Mel. No, not the green one. It's a pitch of the green one. See, <laughs> uh... Why don't you have another sandwich? No, thanks. I've already had two. <laughs> I've already had four, but who's counting? <laughs> Go on, have another one. Oh, here comes Father Mel. Say, who's that fellow with him? Oh, that's Willie Murdoch. Father just hired him to manage the supermarket. He's rather nice. Rather nice? Betty, have you gone out with him? Well, Father insisted that I go to the movies with him last night. You and Willie at the movies? Dark places? <laughs> Betty, why didn't you tell me? Well, darling, it's Thanksgiving, and I didn't want to upset you. Now, you be nice to him. Huh. Uh, hello, Mel. <clears throat> happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh, uh, happy Thanksgiving, Mr. Colby. Oh, Mel, I want you to meet my new manager, Willie Murdoch. Hello, Mr. Murdoch. 
Hello, Blank. Heard a lot about you from Mr. Colby. <laughs> Don't let it get you down. <laughs> Willie, this is Mr. Ross, secretary of our loyal order of benevolent zebras. Mr. Ross is a very good friend of mine. Oh, well, Mr. Colby, any good friend of yours is a good friend of mine. Pleased to meet you, Mr. Ross. That's Mr. <laughs> This is a very nice fix-it shop you got here, Blank, but I've got a couple of ideas to improve it. First of all, it's too stuffy in here. Well, it could use a little air conditioning. Blank, you can't condition this air. You gotta get rid of it. <laughs> and next, you take down that picture of the city dump on the wall. Murdoch, that's no picture. You're looking through the window. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, I see Miss Colby is unattached. Better go over and attach myself. Get it? <laughs> <laughs> Thanksgiving. Why couldn't the Pilgrim Fathers have landed on him? <laughs> oh, Mr. Happy Thanksgiving. Hello, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Merry Christmas. Hello, Zookie. Oh, hello. Betty. Hi. Say, uh, how do you like my new dress, Zookie? <laughs> oh, uh, gosh, Betty, you're the most beautiful. Uh, 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 you're the quintessence of lovely. lovely uh, uh, you're the acme of perfect. Oh, by the way, Zucky, I got a letter from my cousin Dottie and a new picture of her. Here, look. <laughs> <laughs> Cousin Dottie is so shy and sweet and coy. What do you think of her bathing suit? <laughs> Zuki, can I get you a little something before dinner? What would you like? I'd like some uh, potato here. So, uh, I'd like some cookie, cookie, uh, cookie, uh, some candy there. You get yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'd like that picture of Dottie. <laughs> Say, Betty, did you know that Mel invited us here for Thanksgiving dinner and there's no turkey? Well, you're right, Mr. Colby. Mel invited us for Thanksgiving dinner and there's no turkey. Why, Thanksgiving isn't Thanksgiving without turkey. That's exactly my thought, Mr. Colby. Thanksgiving isn't Thanksgiving without turkey. Huh. Yeah, this guy can easily be replaced with a sheet of carbon paper. <laughs> I tell you, this is preposterous. Look, so where's Mel? Oh, he, he went back to the uh, uh, kitchen. Oh. Well, I want to talk to him. And Murdoch, uh, Willie, you take care of Betty. Oh, well, if you say so, Mr. Colby. Anything you say goes, Mr. Colby. I'm your boy, Mr. Colby. You know you can count on me, Mr. Colby. Ha, ha, ha. Uh-uh, Mel is in a jam again. I, I gotta go and explain everything to you. Ah, I, I gotta go and, and, and warn him. Ah, I, I gotta go and the tip of me oil. I gotta go. <laughs> For you this festive season? Could a breath of trouble be the reason? Maybe because that breath of trouble, I mean unpleasing breath, has brought unhappiness to thousands. 
Don't let it mark you down. Just do this. Brush your teeth night and morning and before every date with Colgate Tooth Powder. For Colgate Tooth Powder cleans your breath as it cleans your teeth. Yes, scientific tests have definitely proved that in seven cases out of ten, Colgate Tooth Powder instantly stops unpleasing breath that originates in the mouth. What's more, no dentifrice at any price cleans your teeth more quickly and thoroughly than Colgate Tooth Powder. Remember to buy it first thing, and remember the name, Colgate Tooth Powder, with the accent on powder. Don't take a chance with your romance. Use Colgate Tooth Powder. Now, Victor Miller, the sportsman, and their holiday arrangement of Good Night, Ladies. Thanksgiving party in his fix-it shop to get in the good graces of his girl's father, Mr. Colby. But so far, everything is going wrong. Mr. Colby is mad because there's no turkey. Willie Murdoch, the new supermarket manager, is making a play for Mel's girl. Right now, the party is in full swing, but we find Mel disconsolately talking to Betty's kid brother, Tommy, in the corner of the shop. Boy, is my dad sore it's you, Mel. Yeah, Tommy, and I gave this party just to make an impression on him. What can I do to please your father? Mel, I know something you can do that'll surely please him. You do? What is it? No, you're too young to die. <laughs> well, anyway, my papa's mad at you for having salami instead of a turkey at this party. Yeah, I know. Mel, why don't you tell my pop you gave the turkey to the orphan's home? Now, you keep out of this, Tommy. The reason I'm not saying anything is because this year, your father forgot to give them a turkey himself. And if I said anything about it, it would only embarrass him. Oh. Oh, Mel... Here comes our lodge president, Mr. Cushing. Oh. Good, I'll go over and welcome him. Holiday greetings, Brother Blank. Oh, oh, boo, oh, boo, oh, oh. <laughs> greetings, mighty potentate. Oh, oh, boo, oh, boo, boo, oh, 
How are things? Wonderful. Happiest Thanksgiving I ever had. Well, where's the wife? Home in bed with laryngitis. <laughs> Thanksgiving I ever had. Gee, that's too bad. How is she feeling? Darn that penicillin. <laughs> Say, how did she get laryngitis? Well, Mel, we went to the UCLA-USC football game. Little woman went completely berserk, kept screaming her head off. She did? Yeah, well, the first opportunity she ever had to yell at 22 men all at once. <laughs> you mean now she can't talk at all? Not a word. She just lies there in bed and hisses. <laughs> Empty the garbage pail, shake out the carpet sweeper, clean up the kitchen. I wish she wouldn't tell me what to do. I have my own system for doing the housework. <laughs> Gosh, Mr. Cushing, it must be tough living with your wife. Mel, if you only knew. Last night we went out and she said, Look at me, John, I'm dressed up to kill. Gad, what a temptation. <laughs> I tell you, Mel, I'd leave that woman in a minute if she didn't have all that money. <laughs> I don't know why I'm standing here telling you all this. It's just that I've done no one to talk to. <laughs> oh, cheer up, Mr. Cushing. When you get your wife a Christmas present, everything will be okay. Well, she's already hinted about a present. She wants some beauty aid. Ha! <laughs> Now, Mr. Cushing, after all, beauty is only skin deep. Mel, she's already been peeled. <laughs> the nerve of that woman. She asked me for a beauty makeup kit. Well, what are you going to get her? With her face, a box of Dr. Scholl's foot pads. <laughs> Nothing helped that woman, Mel. Well, I have to let you in for another disappointment, mighty potentate. Hmm? I haven't any turkey. What a relief. You're happy not to see a turkey? Mel, are you forgetting? I've been looking at my wife all day. <laughs> well, on to the party. Oh, I see Brother Colby here. Greetings, Brother Colby. Ugga, ugga, boo, ugga, boo, boo, ugga. Oh, greetings, mighty potentate. Ugga, ugga, boo, ugga, boo, boo, ugga. And there's Brother Ross. Greetings, Brother Ross. Ugga, ugga, boo, ugga, boo, boo, ugga. Ugga, ugga, boo, ugga, boo, boo, passes all ugga. <laughs> Tommy, I'll, 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 all right, Mr. Cushing, all right. Mm. Well, I'm sorry. I thought I'd run away with Margaboo. <laughs> all right, come on, everybody. Let's all have fun. Uh, does anybody want to hear me impersonate Charles Boyer? All right, I'll sing a song. Uh, anybody hear the story about the cop in Brooklyn? Shall I sing now? <laughs> You've never heard this story before. Is it about the cop finding the dead horse on Kosciuszko Avenue? Uh-huh. And he can't take Cassiusco, so he moves the horse to Main Street? Uh-huh. Shall I sing now? No! I'll tell another one, and I know you don't know this story. Uh, a fellow was having soup in a restaurant, and he called over the head waiter. See here, sir, he exclaimed. There's a fly in this soup. What do you think the head waiter said? Did he say, what do you want for a diamond elephant? <laughs> yes, and I wish you'd drop dead. I'll try one more story now. All right, everybody quiet now. Mr. Colby's going to try one more story. Go ahead, Mr. Colby. Everybody keep quiet. Thanks, Myrtle. Thanks. Well, <laughs> it seems a man in a restaurant called uh, the waitress over and said, my cocoa is cold. Well, replied the waitress, if your cocoa is cold, put your hat on it. 
<laughs> oh, very funny. Very, very funny. <laughs> Shall I sing now, Mr. Colby? <laughs> I've had enough from you, Mel Blank. You've ruined my entire evening. His entire evening. Father, let's And you've got a nerve inviting people to a Thanksgiving party and not even having any turkey. Yeah, not having any turkey. But, Father... Hey, when do we eat? I'm starved. That's not a good idea. Come on, Father, let's eat. Um, oh, all right. Okay, everybody, sit down now. There's a fine yes. Oh, this food looks wonderful. No home cooking. Well, everybody seated? Yeah, let's go. Okay. I'll, I'll carve the salami. <laughs> Who wants a leg? I do. I do. I do. Everybody wants a leg. I should have gotten an octopus. <laughs> I'd rather have turkey. Colby, will you stop? Everyone knows salami is much safer than turkey. Safer? Yes, no bone. Oh. <laughs> well, Tommy, what part do you want? I want the part that goes over the counter lap. <laughs> and how about you, Brother Ross? Well, I don't know. I'm losing my appetite. <laughs> just give me the dark meat. The salami is all dark meat. That's why I said, just give me the dark meat. <laughs> oh, Murdoch. Huh? What part do you want? I always let Mr. Colby choose first. All right, Mr. Colby, what part uh, would you like? Oh, this has gone too far. I refuse to sit here and be made a fool of. Oh, but Mr. Colby... Well, this can't go on any longer. I'm going to tell Father. Betty, please. Huh? Tell me why. Why we haven't any turkey tonight. Oh, come in. Is Mr. Blank here? I'm Mel Blank, little boy. Mr. Blank, I'm from New Orleans home. I brought you a piece of your turkey. You did? Yes. It tasted so good, all the boys wanted you to have some. <laughs> They wanted me to tell you how much they appreciated you remembering them on Thanksgiving Day. Gee, thanks. They also asked me to give a message from all the boys at the home. You mind if I give it? No, no, go ahead. Two, four, six, eight. Who do we appreciate? No blank, no blank, hooray! <laughs> thanks a lot. So long, Mr. Blank. So long. <laughs> Gee, wasn't that sweet? Mel, you gave your turkey to the orphanage? Oh, why didn't you tell us about it? Well, you're right again, Mr. Colby. Mel Blank, why didn't oh, you tell us? Oh, shut up! <laughs> well, Mel, uh, he didn't want to tell you because you forgot to give your turkey this year. What? Well, I always give a turkey to the orphanage. In fact, I told Willie Murdoch... To Murdoch, didn't you deliver that? Uh, 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 Mr. Colby, it, <laughs> it, it slipped my mind. Oh, it did, uh, did. Murdoch, come here. I'm going to break every bone in your body. Quiet, everybody. Mr. Colby's going to break every bone in his body. <laughs> Gee, it sounds good on somebody else. <laughs> oh, forget it, Mr. Colby. It's Thanksgiving. Let's forget. Uh, yes, you're right, Mel. Yeah, let's forgive and let's eat. <laughs> All right, here. Sit next to me, Mel, my son. Thanks, Pop. Oh, yeah. Ah, nothing like the smell of salami on Thanksgiving. <laughs> uh, you see, Betty, it's like I said. What difference does it make, salami or turkey? It's the spirit of Thanksgiving that counts. Mel Blank will be back in just a minute. Use Colgate tooth powder, keep smiling just right. Use it each morning and use it each night. Don't take a chance with your romance. 
noticed it quickly enough in others, but you seldom suspect it in yourself. That's the insidious thing about that breath of trouble. I mean, unpleasing breath. So ask yourself if you could be a victim. Then let Colgate Tooth Powder help you. Brush your teeth night and morning and before every date with Colgate Tooth Powder. For Colgate Tooth Powder cleans your breath as it cleans your teeth. Yes, scientific tests have definitely proved that in seven cases out of ten, Colgate Tooth Powder instantly stops unpleasing breath that originates in the mouth. What's more, no dentifrice at any price cleans your teeth more quickly and thoroughly than Colgate Tooth Powder. Remember to buy it first thing. And remember the name, Colgate Tooth Powder, with the accent on powder. Don't take a chance with your romance. Use Colgate Tooth Powder. This is Mel Blanc saying Happy Thanksgiving, and that's all, folks. He's been reminding you that Colgate Tooth Powder for a breath of sweet and keep the sparkle brings you the Mel Blanc Show every Tuesday at this time. Be sure and join us again next Tuesday night for more fun with Mel and the people you'll meet in Mel Blanc's Fix-It Shop. Say hello to Halo Shampoo for naturally bright and beautiful hair. Remember, even finest soaps and soap shampoos hide the natural luster of your hair with dulling soap film. But Halo Shampoo contains no soap, therefore leaves no dulling soap film. Even in hardest water, Halo makes oceans of rich, fragrant lather quickly banishes loose dandruff and dirt. Halo needs no lemon or vinegar rinse. Say hello to Halo and goodbye to dulling soap film. Get Halo shampoo at any cosmetic counter. Mel Blanc Show is written by Mac Benoff. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. A young man who lives on Staten Island inquires. Who was the first man to eat turkey? We do not know who the very first was, but Benjamin Franklin said the first Europeans of promise to eat turkey were Charles IX of France, his bride Elizabeth of Austria, and the guests at their wedding feast in 1570. This question comes from a West New York, New Jersey listener. Do they have anything like our Thanksgiving Day in England? No, not much. The English do celebrate a good harvest by appropriate ceremony in rural areas. But in the past, when they've had a day of national thanksgiving, it's usually been to celebrate a victory in battle, or because the king had recovered from an illness. A White Plains New York listener writes, Please settle something. Counting one for each state, how many thanksgivings are there this year? It has to be 48, doesn't it? No, 50. In the continental United States, today there are 42 thanksgivings. Next Thursday, there are eight. That's because two states celebrate twice. And now, in order that we may always have a thanksgiving... I'm going to ask everyone in the radio audience to buy a share in America. On behalf of my sponsor, the Tromer Breweries, I want to remind you to do everything within your power to support the Sixth War Loan. When the Victory Volunteer calls at your door, open up the purse strings and buy an extra war bond. Do your best over here so it will go better over there. And now let's have some more questions of a general nature. All right. Here's one from a Brentwood, Long Island listener. Can you marry your cousin in New York State? Yes. 
Kraft presents The Great Gildersleeve. <laughs> the Kraft Cheese Company, who also bring you Bing Crosby every Thursday night, present each week at this time Harold Perry as The Great Gildersleeve, written by John Wheaton. We'll hear from the great Gildersleeve in just a moment. You know, these days, it's pretty difficult to get the variety of foods you used to get. That's why you should make the plentiful foods you can get as appetizing as possible. Now, one easy, economical way to make foods taste better is to use delicious parquet margarine at the table and for cooking, too. First of all, of course, parquet margarine is a perfectly delicious spread for bread or toast or rolls. And next, parquet margarine is a tasty seasoning for potatoes and all hot vegetables. Parquet margarine makes cookies and pastries taste better, too, because it's a real flavor shortening, not bland and tasteless as some shortenings are. And lastly, you'll find parquet adds tempting extra flavor to pan-fried foods. Yes, you can make everyday foods taste better when you use parquet. Remember, too, it's a nourishing energy food that contains vitamin A. So ask your dealer tomorrow for wholesome, economical parquet, P-A-R-K-A-Y, parquet margarine made by Kraft. Well, let's get on to the great Gildersleeve, who's been putting in a busy Saturday morning down at the water department, trying to clear his desk of all the odds and ends that have piled up there. As we join him now, we find him almost down to the blotter and feeling pretty good about it. Action, yes, action. That's the keynote today, Miss Fitz. And you have accomplished a great deal this morning, Mr. Gildersleeve. Yes, sir. Never put off till tomorrow what you can do today. I try not to. Uh, Procrastination is the thief of time. Uh, There's a letter here. Time and tide wait for no man. This woman wrote in two weeks ago. For want of a nail, the shoe was lost, Miss Fitch. (laughs) Action, that's the thing, action. (laughs) Mr. Gildersleeve, are you going to answer this woman's letter? What does she want? Action. Be still. (laughs) Well, uh, let's see the letter. She says she wrote in two weeks ago and never got an answer. Oh, oh, yes, I remember this. Uh, Take an answer. Uh, Dear Madam... In reply to your recent letter regarding a kneel in your bathtub, (laughs) we wish to thank you for calling this to our attention. After a thorough investigation of the matter, we wish to report that it would have been impossible for the said eel to have gained access to your tub through the faucet. As all our water is carefully filtered, and furthermore, standard plumbing fixtures are too small to accommodate a kneel of the dimensions you described. (laughs) We can only suggest that the creature either crawled up the drain... In which event, your attorney should get in touch with the Department of Public Works, not us. Or possibly it was placed in your tub by an enemy. While it's out of our department, we'd suggest that a stopper kept in the tub at all times should prove an effective precaution against eels in the future. (laughs) Failing which, we'd advise a closer check on your friends. Very truly yours, Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve, Water Commissioner. You got that? Yes, Mr. Gildersleeve. That ought to hold her. What's next? Well, I don't know whether you want to do anything about this. Let's have it. Action, Miss Fitch. Let's clear the decks here. Uh, very well. This it's... is no time for bottlenecks. Uh, no. Uh, this You'll is... notice that in every photograph of Donald Nelson, there's not a single paper on Donald Nelson's desk. That's the only way to be an executive. Do it now. Strike while the iron is hot. Come, come, come. What have you got there? A six-month reminder from your dentist. Ew. <laughs> well, 
suppose you put that in the deferred file. That's where it came from. You're a hard woman, Miss Dennis. <laughs> All right, call up the dentist and make an appointment for Monday. Good. For Leroy. <laughs> Come on, let's get on here. Time's wasting. Hey, have you got the application for my B gas ration? Yes, it's right here. Oh, I must remember to get that in this afternoon. It's all filled out. All you have to do is sign it. I better check it over. Let's see here. It says, uh, occupational use of the vehicle. If vehicle is used for driving between home and fixed place of work, in the principal occupation as stated in items four and six above, answer all questions in part A below. <laughs> If vehicle is used in the performance of the principal occupation stated in items four and six above... Oh, brother, I'll take your word for it, Miss Fitch. So, uh, you also have to get the signatures of any person sharing the ride with you. Oh, well, Judge Hooker is my share of the rider, but he isn't speaking to me. He can darn well sign, though. I understand very few people are going to get the B rations. Oh, I'll get one, all right. After all, I'm a city official. I have to do a lot of official driving. I'm entitled to one if anybody is. Yes, but uh, have you heard who's head of the ration board now? It doesn't make any difference. Who? Judge Hooker. Judge mm, Hooker. <laughs> oh, my goodness. If Hooker will find some technicality. He'll block it if he has to stage a filibuster. Maybe I'd better invite the old goat to Thanksgiving dinner after all. That might soften him up a little. Yes, certainly. Mm -hmm. He couldn't accept a man's hospitality and then trick him out of his B card, could he? <laughs> I don't recall that the application form covers that. No, I didn't think that. So. Quiet. Here comes the old sourball now. Well, hello there, Judge. <laughs> and does the bus leave, Gildersleeve? Yeah, the bus leaves whenever you're ready, Judgey. I'm ready now. Be right with you. Can't keep a customer waiting, can we, Miss Fitch? I'll get my hat and coat. Mr. Gildersleeve, uh, you're not forgetting. Forget uh... Oh, yes. Uh, thank you. While you're waiting, Judge, Miss Fitch has an application blank there that requires your signature. A mere formality, you know. What's this? Uh, just to show that I'm sharing my car with you. Oh, so you're applying for a B-ration book, huh? Aren't we all? <laughs> <laughs> Give the judge a pen, Miss Fitch. Here, oh, use mine. It's a self-filler. I think you'll like it. There, that's it. There you are. Thank you, Judge. Well, see you Monday, Miss Fitch. Oh, uh, by the way, Horace, I meant to ask you before, I hope you'll give us the pleasure of dining with us as usual on Thursday. Mm, I thought you'd forgotten all about Thanksgiving. Not at all. Thanksgiving wouldn't be Thanksgiving without you, Horace. <laughs> you know that. <laughs> Now, while I fit this, I feel like a sissy in this fool outfit. This is the kind of clothes the pilgrims wore, and they were no sissies. Yeah, but they didn't have to wear them in front of a whole auditorium full of people. Stand still, will you, before I jab you with this pin. Courtship of mild standish. Why don't you speak for yourself, John? Yeah. Oh! I told you you'd get stuck. You know, <laughs> I think you're going to look real cute when I get this down. That's just what I'm afraid of. That's what the whole school is going to think. Leroy, will you stand still? It wouldn't have been so bad if I was Miles Standish. I'd get to wear a helmet. But John Alden, that panty waist. I'm lucky the teacher didn't make me play Priscilla. <laughs> I don't see why you feel that way. John Alden is a hero. Remember, it's John Alden who gets the girl. Yeah, Ethel Hammerschlag, he can have her. <laughs> Marjorie and Leroy. Hello. Well, look at our little pilgrim. Hey, 
Marge, can't I take this off now? No, wait till I get it pinned. You know your lines yet, young man? Some of them. Well, it's about time. You've been rehearsing that part for a month. I've been trying to get out of this for a month. That's no attitude to take. The courtship of Miles Standish is great literature. I studied it in school myself. I remember it to this very day. Uh, this is the forest primeval, the murmuring pines in the hills. That's Evangeline, Uncle Mort. Eva- well, that's good, too. <laughs> Let's hear you recite that speech you were having trouble with last night, Leroy. No, I don't want to. Come on now. I want to see if you've learned it. Oh, some other time, Uncle. No, right now. I'd like to hear it. We both would. Wouldn't we, Marjorie? We'd love to. No, I won't do it. Not if she's going to listen. Young man, you'll recite that speech or you'll go right upstairs to your room. Okay. <laughs> we're waiting. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, um... Pretty Mistress Priscilla, turn out of that field of the suit of one who, though absent yet, uh, yet, uh... Yet loves thee with a noble and undying passion. Go back and try it again. Do I have to? Yes. If you don't keep at it, you'll never learn the part. If you don't learn the part, maybe we won't have to do it. <laughs> you'll do it or I'll know the reason why. Come on now, once more. Pretty Mistress Priscilla... Pretty Mistress... I can't say it. You're not trying. <laughs> Pretty Mistress Priscilla... <laughs> How you got me doing it? Oh, Bertie, I want to talk to you. Leroy, you go up to your room and practice. Go on, old Miles Standish, anyway. Uh, quiet, you. <laughs> Bertie, I've invited Judge Hooker to Thanksgiving dinner. So that'll mean one more. That'll mean five more. If what? Yes, I hope you don't mind, Uncle Mort. I invited four of the boys from Camp Fuller. Oh, well, fine. The more, the merrier. Thanksgiving isn't Thanksgiving unless there are plenty around to enjoy the turkey. Uh, speaking of turkey, Mr. Gill, please. Uh, yes, Bertie? You wouldn't want to buy a chance on one, would you, I don't suppose? Uh, what do you mean, Bertie? Well, the ladies at my church is holding the turkey raffle. Again? If, all right, I'll buy a chance. How much are they? Twenty-five cents. That's for one. One chance. There you are. There's a quarter. Thank you. Most everybody around here has bought one from me. All the neighbors. Well, you're doing fine. Of course. You used to buy two chances. It's fast the reason you have twice as good a chance as they have. Yeah. <laughs> no getting around that, Bertie. All right, I'll take two. Mr. Gillsleeve, you're making no mistake. Turkey's awful expensive this year. Yes, I know, Bertie. Forty-eight cents a pound at day one grocery. Oh, brother. Yeah. <laughs> So if you used to buy three chances, you'd still be ahead. <laughs> Sold, Bertie. Make it three. Yes, sir. Let's see now. How many is it going to be for dinner? Well, there's Marjorie and Leroy and Judge Hooker and Mrs. Ransom and the four soldiers and you, Bertie. That makes nine. And you? That makes twelve. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's me. That's going to take a big turkey. Well, maybe we should order one right away and ask him to hold it for us. Well, let's wait and see how this raffle comes out first, Marjorie. We don't want to be stuck with two turkeys, you know. Of course, they've sold quite a lot of chances on it, and you've only got three. Uh, Bertie, if you can guarantee I'll get the turkey, I'll take five chances. Well, I can't promise nothing, but my cousin's doing the drawing. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take five. Well, that'd be a dollar and a quarter. That's right. Well, here's another dollar. That's quite a lot of money. Yes, it is. A dollar and a quarter will buy a lot of things. Don't I know it. You wouldn't like to take a couple more chances just to protect your investment. <laughs> you get out of here, Bertie, before you ruin me. I got to get down to the ration board. <laughs> that crowd. It, pardon me. It, could somebody tell me whether this is where you get B-ration books? No, this is where you don't get them. <laughs> yeah, wise guy. 
Uh, madam, would you mind? You can't shove in here. I'm not trying to shove in. Uh, end of the line. End of the line. <laughs> I've been waiting here since two o'clock, and you come trying to shove in. Yeah, madam, I was merely trying to ask a civil question. Oh, uh, end of the line, yeah. Bert. Just a minute. Who do you think you're pushing? Well, who do you think you're pushing? Well, who do you think you're pushing? <laughs> Why, George, if you weren't wearing glasses. Well, I'll take them off. There. You look worse. Put them back on. <laughs> He tried to shove in ahead of me. I did not. He did too, and he squeezed my hand. Oh! <laughs> now look here, my good woman. We'll have to ask for order here, my friend. Why don't you just take your place in the line? I'm trying to find out whether this is the right line. I've come for my B ration book. Oh, you've come for it, huh? Yes. I have my application right here. Uh, you and a hundred million others. What? <laughs> Young man, evidently you don't know who I am. I happen to be Throckmorton P. Gillisleeve, and I have to do a lot of driving. Where to? Well, out to the reservoir. To the reservoir? What for? See if there's anything in it. Yeah? <laughs> Listen, brother, if we gave a ration book to everybody who wants to drive out to the reservoir for a little necking in the moonlight... I don't do any necking in the moonlight. Oh, you like it in the dark? Yeah. No! <laughs> and I didn't come here to be insulted by underlings. End of the line, bud. Yes, end of the line. End of the line. Judge, I want you to tell this young whippersnapper here where I get where he gets off. Well, now, Gildy. He has the nerve to tell me I'm not entitled to a B ration book. Well, he may be right, Gildy. You're only sharing the ride with one person. You can't throw those technicalities at me, Hooker. You're the share of my rider. You signed this application yourself. I know that, Gildy. As a share of the rider, I'd be delighted to see you get your ration book. But as a ration official, I couldn't possibly pass this application. My conscience wouldn't allow that. All right, Judge. As a ration official, you needn't bother to come to Thanksgiving dinner. And as a share of the rider, from now on, you can walk. And the line. Oh, you can have your own line. <laughs> the great Gildersleeve will be with us again in just a few seconds. If you're troubled with a food budget that's hard to keep in line these days, just remember this. There are any number of wholesome, good-tasting, nutritious foods that can help you keep your food budget down. Now, one such food, surely, is parquet margarine, Kraft's delicious spread for bread, because it's good-tasting, economical, and nutritious. Parquet margarine's flavor is something pretty special. Thousands know it as the margarine that tastes so deliciously good. And just as important... Parquet margarine is an economical source of food elements that your family needs. Yes, wholesome, nourishing parquet margarine is one of the best energy foods you can serve. And the year-round, every pound of parquet contains 9,000 units of important vitamin A. Yes, it's wise to economize with parquet margarine. It's delicious, nutritious, and thrifty. So buy parquet margarine tomorrow. Just ask your food dealer for parquet, P-A-R-K-A-Y, parquet. The margarine that's made by Kraft. Now back to Summerfield at the Great Gildersleeve. Apparently, he'll get no more gas than the rest of us, but uh, what about turkey? It's Tuesday afternoon now, only two days before Thanksgiving. We find our hero checking last-minute details with Marjorie. What about those four soldiers, my dear? Are you sure they're coming? Oh, yes. I had a note this morning from their commanding officer. They'll arrive at 12 o'clock sharp in a jeep. A jeep? Mm-hmm. 
Oh, brother, what an appetite they'll have. <laughs> I'll have to run around the house a couple of times to get myself up to concert pitch. Can't let the boys show me up at my own table. I don't think you need to worry about that, Uncle Mort. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I guess we're all set. Soldiers accepted. Hooker canceled. Mrs. Ransom. Uh, Mrs. Ransom's coming, isn't she? Well, you invited her, didn't you? No, I thought you'd take care of that. You're the lady of the house. Oh, but I thought you'd want to. Oh, dear, and I went over there this morning to borrow a roasting pan for the turkey and never said a word about it. Uh, what, must, what must she think? Oh, this is terrible. This is awful. I'll run over there right now. Serves right. She's made other plans. A fine thing. Borrow a woman's roaster and then not invite her to dinner. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Mr. Gildersleeve. Eh, uh, Leela. I've come to explain. I don't know what there is to explain, I'm sure. Uh, may I come in? Well, I'm rather busy. Just for a moment. Well. Leela, of course you're coming to Thanksgiving dinner Thursday. Well, I'm hardly in the habit of going to places to which I've not been invited, Mr. Gildersleeve. Uh, but you are invited. You've been invited all along. There was a mix-up, that's all. I thought Marjorie had asked you, and Marjorie thought I had. How do I know? How do I know you're not just inviting me for my roasting time? Lilo, when I thought of inviting you, nothing was further from my mind than a roasting pan. Oh, you say those things, but you don't mean them. It's the truth. You were the first one on my list, Lila. Was I, Throckmorton? Sure enough. Yeah, sure enough. <laughs> oh, but I'm afraid I couldn't accept it this late date. You see, I've had all these other invitations. Oh. If I turn them down now, I know they'd be heartbroken, much as I'd like to have dinner with you. We're having a 20-pound turkey. I love turkey, but I'm afraid I can't. I'll save you the white meat. No, don't tempt me now. I'll save you the wishbone. We can make a wish on it. What would you wish, Throckmorton? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not supposed to tell you. Well, I don't know that I could trust you with a wishbone. And, <laughs> and anyway, I've promised these other people. But you've got to come, Leela. Marjorie and Leroy will be terribly disappointed if you don't. And so will I. So will Bertie. If so will the Army. The Army? Yes, we're having four young lieutenants to dinner, too. Throckmorton, why in the world didn't you say so? You mean you'll come? Will I? You're too good to me, Leela. <laughs> She's coming with bells on. I wouldn't put it past her. Huh? Uncle Mort, can I borrow your shotgun? No, Leroy, certainly not. Why? I'm supposed to bring a gun to school tomorrow. What kind of a school are they running? A reform school? <laughs> no, Miles Sanders has got to have a blunderbuss. A blunderbuss. Here's your building suit, Leroy. I pressed the collar, so don't mess it up. Oh, put it on, Leroy, and show Uncle Mort how nice it looks, not finished. Oh, no. Go ahead. You look real nice in it. I look like a sissy in it. You look better than you do in that Mickey Mouse sweatshirt you wear all the time. Yeah, and cleaner, too. <laughs> put on the pilgrim suit, Leroy. Oh, uh... Your sister worked hard on it. It won't do you any harm to put it on once. Go ahead. Okay. I'd like to meet that guy Longfellow. Yeah. <laughs> well, Bertie, you think we're going to have enough turkey for all these people Thursday? I don't know, Miss Gilfleet. Let's see now. We've got four soldiers and the four of us here and Mrs. Ransom. What about Judge Hooker? Judge Hooker is an ungrateful old goat. Never mention his name in this house. Excuse me. I didn't know it was like that again. <laughs> There'll be eight of us at dinner. And you know the way soldiers eat. You think we ought to figure on two turkeys? I don't know, Mr. Gillsleeve. I don't know what we ought to do. 
What's the matter, Bertie? You seem to be sort of dragging today. <laughs> I don't know. I don't guess I feel so good. Out a little late last night? No, sir. No later than usual. I just got a feeling, that's all. What kind of a feeling? Like things wasn't going to work out somehow. Oh, well, don't let it get you down. Uh, by the way, when are they going to raffle off that turkey I bought all those chances on? Yes, we can't wait much longer to find out about that. Thanksgiving's only two days off. I was thinking, Mr. Gilfleeve, how would it be if we had a nice ham instead of a turkey? <laughs> Bertie, are you hiding something from us? No, sir, I ain't hiding nothing. Except they had that raffle last night. Oh. You came close, Mr. Gilfleeve. You came mighty close. The winning number was 61, and you had 62. <laughs> but it still leaves us without a turkey. Well, sort of. Oh, well, if you gamble, you have to expect those things. Well, we better order a turkey right away, though. Yes, we can't invite all those soldiers to come 20 miles for Thanksgiving dinner and have no Thanksgiving dinner. Well, I'll go call up the market and reserve one. That's just the trouble. What do you mean? I called up the market, and all the turkeys is reserved. You mean they won't sell us one? Butcher says there ain't a turkey left in Summerfield. I don't know what's the matter. Last week, no pot roast. This week, no turkey. We've got to have a turkey. We've invited all these soldiers. We've invited Mrs. Ransom. We've got to find one. But where? Don't ask me. All right, Unc. How do you like it? Like what? The pilgrim suit. Oh, forget the pilgrim suit. We just lost our turkey. No turkey? No turkey. How do you like that? Well, it looks like we'll all wind up eating turkey sandwiches at the drugstore. Yeah. Some Thanksgiving. The drugstore. Maybe Peavy's got a turkey. Hold everything, kids. I'll be right back. I'm going to the drugstore. Hello, Mr. Gildersleeve. Uh, Peavy. Peavy, you've got to help me out. Well, I'm always glad to do a customer service. Good. Have you got a turkey? Uh, what was that again? Have you got a turkey? A turkey? Well, now, I've had people come in here and ask for some strange things, but this is the first time I've ever had a request for a turkey. If, but never mind that. Have you got one? No, Mr. Gildersleeve. Uh, turkeys are one thing that I don't carry. I'm sorry. Uh, have you tried to meet market? Of course I've tried to meet market. Why do you think I came in here? I wonder. Now, just a minute, Peavy. You serve turkey sandwiches at your soda fountain, don't you? Yes, we do serve a turkey sandwich. You can't make a turkey sandwich without a turkey, can you? Well, now, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> In other words, PV, your turkey sandwich is not a turkey sandwich. Well, turkey sandwich has become a sort of a trade expression. Although we serve it with genuine cranberry jelly on the side. <laughs> But suppose you don't care for cranberry jelly. Yeah, then you just ask for the regular chicken sandwich. Yes, sir. Peavy, I'm surprised at you. I don't know how you can sleep nights. Well, I did used to have a little trouble, but I just take a cup of hot cocoa before going to bed now, and I find that sets me right. So does Mrs. Peavy. <laughs> well, this isn't finding a turkey. i got to get going. Goodbye. Goodbye, Mr. Gildersleeve. Have a nice Thanksgiving. And same to you. Don't drink too much cocoa, and don't let Mrs. Peavy... <laughs> Not a bit, my dear. I've been everywhere. It's no use. The army's picked the place clean. There's not a single turkey left. Maybe I should warn those boys at camp. They'll do better if they stay there. Yes. Wait. There's just one chance left. What's that? If we can find out who won the turkey in Bertie's raffle, we might be able to buy it from him. 
Yes, Bertie. Yes, Mr. Gilsley. Would you mind coming in here? Yes, sir. Bertie, do you know who won that turkey in your raffle? Uh, no, sir. Hmm. Do you think you could find out? Well, sir, I might be able to. Then again, I might not. Uh, what do you mean by that? Well, if I was to find out who won, you might not like it. Come clean, Bertie. What bush are you beating about now? You know who won the turkey? Uh, yes. Well, why didn't you say so? Who is it? Well, you said never to mention Judge Hooker's name. Oh! <laughs> I told you you wasn't going to like it. Well, there goes our only chance. Uncle Moore, don't you think Judge Hooker would be willing to let you have it? After what I told him down at the ration board? No, my dear, I really gave him a piece of my mind there. What if you took it all back and invited him to dinner again? When he's got the turkey, he'd just laugh at me. He'd, he'd, uh, wait a minute, uh, Bertie. Yeah. Does Judge Hooker know yet that he's won the turkey? No, sir. I'm supposed to deliver it to him this evening. (laughs) (laughs) Excuse me, folks. I got to see a judge about a bird. (laughs) Horace, I've come to ask your forgiveness. You've come to the wrong place, Gildersleeve. That's a cruel attitude, Judge. But I don't blame you for taking it. You behave like a boor, Gildersleeve. You're right. A big boor. In front of a whole lot of people, too. Yeah. I could kick myself when I think of it. Well, we all fly off the handle sometimes. There was no excuse for it. Doing a thing like that to my old friend. Well, Gildy, of Horace, you may think me a sentimental old fool. But we've been pals for a good many years now, haven't we? Uh, off and on. Yes, Gildy, we have. Off and on. (laughs) And we've always had Thanksgiving dinner together, haven't we? Yeah, I guess that's right. Well, I want you to have it with us again this year. You really mean that? Horace, I've said it before, and I mean it now more than ever. If you don't come to Thanksgiving dinner, it just won't be Thanksgiving dinner. certainly be delighted to come. Good. Don't forget now. I won't. We'll be counting on you. I'll be there. What time would you like to have me come? Oh, come early, Judge. Uh, Come about nine o'clock in the morning. Nine (laughs) o'clock? Yeah. And when you come, would you mind bringing that turkey you won in the raffle, Judge? Mighty pleasant day. Oh, stick around, Judge. The evening's young yet. No, I've got to get an early start in the morning. But I don't know when I've had a finer Thanksgiving. Well, it was your turkey, Judge. Well, I share my turkey, you share your car. That's the spirit today. Yeah, and good spirit, too. It brings people together, Judge. Yes, it does, Gildy. I'm sorry we had that misunderstanding down at the ration board. As a matter of fact, you're probably entitled to a B ration. You use your car for official business. Well, I don't want a B book. What? No, I've been thinking about it, Horace. 
It seems to me the spirit of rationing is to get along with as little as you can, instead of grabbing all you can get. You're absolutely right, Gildy, and I'm glad to hear you say it. You're a credit to the community. Well, thank you, Horace. And you may rest assured that even though I only, I've only a humble A ration, my car will still be at your service at all times. You mean that, Gildy? I do, indeed. That's fine. I've got to meet a train at Moore's Junction at 6 o'clock tomorrow morning. Good night, Gildy. Good night, everybody. (laughs) Original music heard on this program was composed and conducted by Billy Mills. This is Ken Carpenter speaking for the Kraft Cheese Company and inviting you to tune in again next week for the further adventures of the Great Gildersleeve. Flavorful golden brown turkey is the crowning glory of your holiday dinner table. And real butter helps you serve a butter-baked masterpiece. Here's how to butter-bake your turkey. After stuffing the bird, pat lots of soft butter all over, especially on the drumsticks, breast, and wings. Next, cover the entire turkey with cheesecloth dipped in melted butter to protect it from shrinking in your oven. Then bake it slowly, without a lid. Never higher than 300 to 325 degrees. Every half hour, baste with butter. When it's golden brown, you'll serve your family and guests the juiciest, tenderest turkey ever, because you use butter. This year, bake your holiday turkey the American Dairy Association way, with real butter. cartoon of the two turkeys standing there talking and uh, you see another turkey being led away by a guy with an axe and uh, one turkey says to the other turkey look at him that's the way I hope I can go when my time comes walking straight like a man (laughs) oh What's this? Oh, for crying out loud. Would you look at my horoscope for today? That's silly. Listen to my horoscope. Okay, listen to my horoscope for today. Seek favors with higher-ups who are in a position and mood to do so right now. Then, out to the social. <laughs> and they're all off today. <laughs> Somewhere, Mr. Smith is ready to talk business. Distinctive sound. I'm going to be in very bad taste. Are you ready for very bad taste? I mean, Thanksgiving. 
No, I better not. Give me some cheap guitar music with your <laughs> I thought of a terrible, terrible gag. I'm not going to say it. You ever heard a Thanksgiving poem, friends? Well, you are about to hear a Thanksgiving poem. I'll say it. I wish you all that pen and ink could write, and then some more. I hope you cannot even think of half you're thankful for. I hope your table holds a wealth of prime Thanksgiving fare, and love and peace and joy and health will all be seated there. I trust your guests will all be bright, but none of them too wise, and each will bring an appetite for mince or pumpkin pies. I hope the fowls will all be fat, the cider sweet to quaff, and when you snap a wishbone, that you'll win the larger half. I like that little corny sentiment stuff. Here's one called When Father Carves the Duck. We all look on with anxious eyes when Father carves the duck. And Mother almost always sighs when Father carves the duck. Then all of us prepare to rise and hold our bibs before our eyes and be prepared for some surprise when Father carves the duck. He braces up and grabs a fork whenever he carves a duck and won't be allowed uh, a soul to talk until he's carved the duck. The fork is jabbed into the sides, across the breast the knife he slides, while every careful person hides from flying chips of duck. The platter is always sure to slip when Father carves a duck, and how it makes the dishes skip. Potatoes fly amok. The squash and cabbage leap in space. We get gravy on our face, and Father mutters Hindu grace whenever he carves the duck. We then have learned to walk around the dining room and pluck from off the window sills and walls our share of Father's duck. While Father growls and blows and jaws and swears the knife was full of flaws, and Mother laughs at him because he couldn't carve a duck. Yeah, bring it down, Herb. Hold it there. You know, I'll tell you, you know, Thanksgiving. It's fantastic. You, you can't even explain it to anybody else this is one of those this is one of those purely truly total american holidays total and it's even that you know is getting to be totally automated have you seen those turkeys that are already basted i'm not kidding you do you see that you can yeah you can get somebody not many people probably have them. you can get turkeys that have got basting and how do they ever do that i suppose they while the turkey's walking around, you know, they inject it. Right, wait, wait, wait. I'm telling you, wait. I'm serious. Wait till they start growing turkeys that are already stuffed. Uh, I'm growing them. I can just see this turkey. You know, one, is, one this is oyster stuffing. Now, this is uh, chestnut. And, uh, of course, um, <laughs> it's, it's kind of silly. And <laughs> we are. We're, we're, we're fascinating people. And uh, when I was at the school, I went to... Uh, for a very brief time, I went to a uh, a university where they had a big farm department, you know, agricultural department. They had a, all kinds of fields of peanuts and soybeans and all that jazz going. And uh, one of the things they were working on at that time, and uh, now you see them, of course, in the A&P, but one of the things they were working on in the uh, the farm or the agricultural genetics section they were working on turkeys that are nothing but, you know, everybody wants the breast of turkey, you know, this is a whole bit. They were working on turkeys that were nothing but gigantic breasts, you know, with these little feet on the bottom. And, you know, serious, nothing else, no, no, other, no other part of the turkey was wanted. 
And so they eventually created these turkeys, if you, you see them in the stores now. They look like bowling balls. You know, they're round, and they got little feet sticking out the side. And they're totally made out of, uh, you know, carving white meat breast and all that stuff. Well, that, that, uh, when I saw that, I said, you know, man is messing with nature. I mean, he is, you know. If, if, you, if you know anything about real wild turkeys, you ever seen a wild turkey? Very few people have ever seen one. A genuine wild turkey. I mean, the reason that the, that the, that the turkey, you see, is the, is the bird that, uh, that we celebrate the Thanksgiving about is because the turkey was the bird that the, uh, you know, the pilgrims ran across. It was, it was an American bird. And they had never seen a bird. You know, this is an American bird. It's one of the few genuine uh, American birds. And you see them now in various places in the world. But they originated here, the turkey. Uh, the, the bird that we know is the turkey. And I'll never forget one time, of the, uh, since we're, you know, we think of turkeys now as, as butterball, and we think of them as frozen. And uh, You know, the turkey is one of the world's dumbest birds. Are you aware of that? Absolutely. The, the turkey has got a brain about the size of the head of a pin. <laughs> and a, a real dumb bird. And, uh, and you know, turkeys, are, they flock them. Uh, a turkey, uh, one turkey does something. If, if you have a flock of turkeys, one turkey may uh, panic for some reason or other, and uh, all the turkeys then will just go totally ape and kill like 5,000 of them in five minutes just from running over the cliff. Or they're worse than hell, the lemmings. Well, <laughs> uh, anybody who has ever been in the great Midwest outside of the New York area knows about turkeys. And, uh, I'll tell you two turkey stories about, about real turkeys, you know, the kind of turkeys that you eat. That uh, One of the times that I, I, one of the very few times that I, because I'm, I'm a turkey ape, I love turkey uh, as a food. I think it's a great food. And uh, I'm literally a turkey nut, you know, I, I go ape over turkey. However, one time I really got bugged with turkeys. That, you know, they grow a lot of turkeys in Indiana. Uh, turkeys are uh, particularly uh, suited to that climate. Uh, and you'll find turkeys there. You'll find them, uh, a large number of turkeys come from Wisconsin, for example. You'll find turkeys in Michigan, large numbers of turkeys in Michigan. Now, turkey is not grown the way you grow chickens. Most people think of a turkey as a kind of a big chicken. You know, oh, no, a very different breed of cat, I'll tell you. And uh, there's a couple of kinds of turkeys, but I remember one night... I'm in a hurry, and uh, I don't recall where I was going, but I was in a hurry, and I'm in a car. Got it? And uh, it was a cold, dark night. It was about this time of the year. It's Indiana, and this is a this is a sight of turkeys you never see. And I'm driving. I, I say to myself, "Well, I'm going to make a shortcut, see, and I'm going to come over there, and I know this road, and I'm going to go down that road, and." Uh, I'll cut off a half an hour, see, so I'm driving like mad. I've really got to get to this place. And uh, to be honest with you, it involved a girl, in case you're interested. I mean, and, you know, this is the kind of, this is the kind of, I mean, this is the kind of mad, boy, when you get mad over a chick. I mean, that's that's bad mad, you know, that's a bad one. So I'm, you know, I'm hurrying over to this place, and it's dark, and it's cold, and I'm in my Ford, and I'm about 18 years old, and I'm really, you know, got to see this girl. I'm driving through this road. 
when all of a sudden I see a light ahead of me. This is right in the middle of the road. I see this light. So when I start slowing up, I figure there's a car stopped there. And it's a narrow road. It's about a it's about a lane and a half, you know, these these asphalt type roads that you see in the country. And I, I see this light and it's cold, it's slightly raining, it's a miserable, crummy night, and I see a light. So I slow up and I see ahead of me a great dark mass on the road, just sort of stretching endlessly. And in the middle of this great dark mass is a man. And he's carrying a lantern. He's got a light. He's got one of these Coleman lanterns. You know these Coleman lights? Real bright things. See? And I can see the light is casting a round shadow all around. So you can see almost maybe a, a circle around him of light, maybe 10, 15 feet around him. And it was this insane, wild-looking, uh, almost, uh, well, it was like out of a monster movie. This, this apparition that all around him is this writhing, moiling crowd of turkeys that he is is walking along the road with. You know, they heard them, and he's he's taking them somewhere. And, and, and you could see this white light from the Coleman lamp playing on these turkey heads. Now, a turkey is not a beautiful bird from the neck up. He, he's a kind of looks bad, you know. <laughs> and he's got these red wattles hanging and the, and the comb and all that stuff and his eyes. And the eyes, there's a certain maniacal, strange quality to turkey's eyes. And with the light, hey, huh? no, wait until later. With the light hitting the eyes of these turkeys, you could see them glowing. They, they, they You know how certain animals' eyes will glow in the dark? Well, I don't know whether you've ever looked at a turkey eye in the dark, friend. A turkey eye in the dark, I'll tell you, is enough to make you swear off anything. I mean, it was a... Well, I pull up, you see, and I, I, there's these turkeys, and they're they're all sort of moving like a like a great mob of ants or something, and they, they all stay together, very close, tight-knit things, see. And they're... That is why you you know how turkeys go. That's the sound of a turkey. And they're they're calling back and forth in the darkness. Well, I stops, and here's the farmer. He's just walking along with his turkeys. He must have had seven trillion of these babies, you know. Well, I decide what I'm going to do is I'm going to back up. He says, right away, I thought, holy smokes, I'll never get through here. You know, I'm not going to go driving over the fields with the forge, you know, busting the axles. And all. I can't get around them. The turkeys spread out on the on the shoulders of the road. And, uh, yeah, it was just like, like getting behind some herd of, of warthogs or something. So, you know, so like, and I say, I'm going to turn around. Well, I see in my rearview mirror, I see another light. Well, I start backing up, and I hear somebody hollering. I hear this voice, hey, 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 hey. and I look out, I open the door, and I look back at me, and behind me is the beginning, like the avant-garde, of another herd of turkeys. Some other farm. You know, these two guys apparently are driving them down in two great big herds, and, and the guy has just joined the crowd, and there I am. I am stuck. I am stuck between two herds of turkeys. Well, now, one thing about the turkey, friend, if you don't know anything about turkeys, you're going to learn something about turkeys. 
the turkey has a mind of his own. What there is of it, it's his own. And uh, he, uh, he he just doesn't. He, if he doesn't want to move, he doesn't move. And and if he uh, if, if if he wants to do anything, you know, he'll do it. And so these turkeys are walking ahead of me, and they and they do very leisurely. They they mess around. One would stop, and uh, as soon as one would stop, that would give the idea to the last 428 turkeys that it's stopping time. See, and then they'd all stop. And then the guy would come back and he'd holler at him in turkey talk. Woo, woo, woo. And then they'd start moving. Then they'd look. Then they'd start moving sideways. Then they'd move the rest uh, back and forth. They go these turkeys. And and once in a while, one of the turkeys you see would uh, a big tom turkey. You know, they had these fantastic tails. Occasionally, now they only open that tail. That big tail opens up like an enormous fan. You've seen pictures of them. Well, the only time they open that tail up is when they see a, let's say, a lady-type turkey showing up, see, that, that looks kind of good to them, see? So they open up this tail, and then they start showing off. Are you aware that that tail is all part of the big act? You know, well, it's the equivalent of, uh, you know, a guy gets himself a suit down at Barney's, you know, with a nipped-in waist, you know, and, he puts a, and it's a, oh, speaking of turkeys, this is W.O.R., friends, and, uh, and uh, this is Radio Free Broadway here, and... Uh, I hope, uh, you know, I hope all those yams are settling down good. I'll let the cranberry... Be careful, you know. Have you ever had cranberry wine? Woo-hoo-hoo! Oh, I'm telling you, cranberry makes a wine that blows the top right off of your bean. Right off. Never had it, huh? Well, uh, maybe I'll have to settle for Miller beer. Hit that thing. <laughs> yeah, Miller beer. You can tell I'm in a good mood tonight. There's something special about Miller Highlight. Yeah, it's beer. That's what's special about it. A satisfying beer. Oh, yeah. A hearty, robust flavor. That's not like those other beers, you know. Always deep down good. Get you right where you live. You know why they call it High Life, don't you? Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee. He faked me out. He said, Miller, Milwaukee. He faked me out. He said it over to music that morning. You can't trust nobody. But uh, <laughs> let's get our little commercials here done. I, I hate to talk about food today. I mean, you know, stuff and all that stuff. But uh, if you get around Sunday, if you get a little tired of uh, turkey leftovers, friends, and that's quite possible, I would like to suggest that you take Sunday brunch at the Great Shanghai. That's uh, at Broadway at 103rd Street, a magnificent buffet, the most delicious Chinese food, Shanghai style, all you can eat for $2 and a half. By the way, speaking of Shanghai style, I want to salute the uh, the TV commercial. Have you seen that TV commercial? All right, I'll finish this one here first. Then we've got to salute something here. Uh, children under four feet tall are half price. So if you've got any two-and-a-half-foot-high kids... They can eat all they want for half price, $2 and a half. You can just have all the Chinese food, and it's from 11 o'clock in the morning all the way to 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It's Chinese brunch. 
Two bucks and a half. The Great Shanghai, and they are legendary. I'll tell you, there must be 17 generations of Columbia students have uh, have grown fat on the Great Shanghai's egg rolls. And, uh, that's Broadway at 103rd Street, and uh, you'll know you'll get no trouble. It's uh, the IRT comes right up next to the dishwashing machine there at the Great Shanghai. <laughs> Hello, man. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I, I'll tell you, I do the only show here that all the maintenance men at WOR dig. Have you noticed that? They keep wandering in and out. Uh, although one does, one of them mentioned the other day that he misses uh, Faye Henley. But uh, outside of that, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> speaking of commercials and, uh, and food, i got to salute whoever came up with that. They did it beautifully. What the heck? Now, and I, I, I know this is a bad thing to do. But you know, I can't, uh, I can't remember what product they were selling, which I suppose kills the whole idea of the commercial. Now, uh, it was, a, it's a commercial that you see, it's just come on the last couple of weeks, and it is a magnificent recreation of the Charlie Chan movies. Have you seen that? That's right. Exactly. It's the Volkswagen people. What a fantastic commercial they've got. I mean, it's really beautifully done. And it's a, there's a scene with Charlie Chan. And they, they, not only are they, are they uh, you know, carrying the whole thing. It's not camp. They don't, they don't hook it up, you know, like the, the fake uh, Lone Ranger and uh, the fake uh, Sergeant Preston. By the way, that's a funny commercial, too. You mean to tell me you don't take pictures of your children in the winter? Put the cuffs on them. That was beautifully done. You and your little people. Have you seen that one? But I will say, watch for the VW commercial. When, uh, <laughs> when they take that. Yeah, he's solving a crime. Now, if you have ever seen the Charlie Chan movies, you know that Charlie Chan always, in the end of all of his pictures, it was almost a ritual. By the way, I'm a great Charlie Chan movie fan. I love those. I really do. I dig those, and I like the Mr. Moto pictures. But more than ever, I like Charlie Chan because they, there was such style about them. And in the end of every picture, he would all he would he would say this: "Oh, number one song, please lock door. In this room, we have the motto up. We have her with us today." And now you, Marcel Puntas, where were you at 12.03 the Wednesday night that Mr. Bullard was strangled by the man-eating Venus flytrap? And did you see the butler skulking around trying to get out of the room? You know that big scene where he tells uh, how, how the crime occurred then? He says, oh, what's very simple. As all Chinese blah blah say, man who see will see. And I see now, man has dropped 45 caliber of Oliver into the fun plant. The fun plant, instead of being fun plant, was cleverly replaced by Mr. Prentice to become Venus Flytrap. Venus Flytrap, glass 45 of Oliver, and plug Mr. Bullard through the heart. And you see this guy saying, oh no, 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 you can't prove it. Also, we cannot prove it. We have sworn testimony of Venus Flytrap, who has confessed to crime. 
Bump, bump, bump. <laughs> oh, what a beautiful commercial. And the scene, watch for it. I won't even tell you because in one fifty-nine seconds, they do a whole Charlie Chan movie, really. And, and not only that, they carried it all the way through. Instead of making it in color, they make it in that washed-out black and white. The kind of film that the monogram pictures people bought from the Walgreens drugstore, wherever it is they got their film. <laughs> and it was beautifully done, really. And, and they even went to the extent of, you know, how Charlie Chan was always surrounded by the disgruntled sergeant from the police force who didn't solve the mystery. And they always was looking confused when Charlie Chan, ah, and sparked up. You have failed to observe. Man who does not leave footprint is not man at all. And he says, jeez, I never thought of that, chief. <laughs> oh, man. But, uh, yeah, you know, this, uh, this is, uh, this is, you know, all part of our life, so we might as well talk about our life. You know, uh, well, you want to hear what, what happened? Oh, you want to hear the rest of the story, eh? About the turkeys? Oh, speaking of turkeys, uh, before we do that, don't forget, friends, Christmas fun. Start anteing up now. Christmas is not far away. Send your dimes and nickels and quarters or $4,000 bills to Box 710, WOR, Children's Christmas Fund, Times Square Station, New York, New York. And uh, that's right that we should be on a place called Times Square. Dump, da dump, dump. I'm <laughs> sorry. It's one of those silly nights. Did you hear what I said on the Skitch Henderson show the other day? It was one of the worst puns I ever... Th I, I, I'm, have you noticed my brain is starting to get soft, Herb? Only for years, I could... I, I hated people who made puns, and now I find myself making puns. And I, I said a terrible one the other day. I'm on the Skitch Henderson show, and I want to apologize to anybody who might have seen that. It just, I'm embarrassed. I'm sitting on the Skitch Henderson show... Yeah, and and uh, Skitch, you know, he's sitting there with the beard wagon. He's a you know great guy. I enjoyed him, and and I, and uh, we're talking about a little group. You know, there was a group on the stall. Tip the gap, and we're sitting there talking away. And uh, Henderson is uh, saying this little group of theater people who were doing a little sketch on the on the show. He says, you know, he says I I used to do a lot of sketches like that on the on the old Tonight Show. And I turned to him, and I must admit, I'm apologizing. If Skitch Henderson says anyway, I'm apologizing. I turned to him, and I says, well, of course, we all know that's how you got your nickname. Well, I want to tell you, even the band got mad. One guy threw his guitar down on the floor, and, you know, he just sulked for the rest of the afternoon. It was so bad. Sketch Henderson. Oh, looked at me, and you know, you could just see in his eyes, you could just see all of a sudden they clouded over, and, and it meant one thing, you aren't ever going to get on this show again, Jack. <laughs> well, that kind of junk. Well, nevertheless, you see, you get, you get involved, you know, life is a tough scene, you know, you're, you're struggling, you fight against, oh, you want to hear the rest of it, about the turkeys. Oh, all right, we'll continue our turkey. Well, I tell you, I, I, I want to tell you this. You know, this chick is waiting for me in the next town. And ahead of me, you know, here's this mob of 4,000 angry 
bugged walking around turkeys, and they loiter. I mean, there's nothing like a turkey for loitering. You know, they 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 just don't seem to have any purpose in life. They mess around, and and one of these big turkeys, he's got the big tail all opened up like a big fan, and he spots a fantastic chick turkey on the other side. And uh, you know, yelling and hollering, and all the other turkeys run over there, and then they go back again, and then he lowers his fan. There I'm sitting behind, and in the rearview mirror, I see this other crowd of turkeys coming up, and the guy's yelling. He says, don't back up. Watch out, Mac. What do you think you're doing? Well, I, I sat there, and these turkeys that were coming up behind, it, it must have been like the Red Sea party. These turkeys coming up behind sort of just went all around the car, you know, they just just like a great big river. And I started to edge forward, you see, following the other turkeys ahead of me. I, well, you know, I'm not going to stay here all night. And before I knew what happened, I am in the middle of a gigantic turkey flock. <laughs> and we are, they're behind me, they're on my left side, they're on my right side. They're ahead of me, and we're moving down this country road, and I would say roughly about, oh, maybe uh, six or seven feet an hour. And and all around me, and one turkey got caught under my differential in the back, and I, we had to get out and pull him out. They're going under the car. You know, it's very dumb, you see. Yeah, he thought it was the sky. He's caught under my differential. You know, they go, I could hear him under my floorboard. Now, one thing you probably are not aware of turkeys, turkeys en masse have a very, very, well, they're extremely gamey. That's all i got to say. And they're very, very gamey. And furthermore, they're very uninhibited. I mean, their personal habits are not, uh, you know, exactly the kind of personal habits. And so <laughs> these turkeys are all around. I'm driving forward, and it's like some... Like well, it's, it's like a surrealistic nightmare, uh, surrealistic dream. And the, the farmer ahead, he's waving the lantern. The guy behind me's got his lantern. And the entire entourage moved over the landscape like a like a scene out of an Ingmar Bergman movie. The turkeys. Well, the turkeys are quacking, and I'm sitting in the car quacking, and we're moving out. And it must have been like an hour and a half. We finally get to the end of this road. Well, I'm going to wait, see, which way the turkey's going. It was a T road. Now, have you ever seen, you know, the T road where the, where the main road, which we were on, splits off, and there's two roads go off in either direction, see? And I'm saying to myself now, I'm going to see which way these guys are going to turn with the turkeys. And when they go that way, I'm going to go the other way. Well, the guy in the front turns right, the guy in the left turns left, There I am stuck. Two flocks of turkeys. One crowd is going east. The other crowd is going west. I got my choice. It's either that or drive over a pumpkin field, which was straight ahead. <laughs> well, I drove up behind this turkey guy. I was so bugged. I'm all dressed up. It's been like an hour and a half behind these crummy turkeys. I got so bugged. I did something which even to this day, I'm sorry for doing it. I came right up behind them, and all these turkeys are walking along, you know, the funny look on their face, and their bills are going, and their eyeballs are spinning, they're going, I drove right up behind them, and I, I put my hand on the horn, and I went, Wah! Well, I'll tell you, friends, have you ever hollered fire in the middle of the 
of the Saturday night feature down at the Bijou with everybody sitting there. These turkeys blew their cork. The, the air is full of turkeys. They flop their wings and they're landing on the top of the Ford. They're on my hood and they're all, you know, I see this guy running around, you know, he's got his lantern and he's hollering. And, and if you've ever heard a farmer swear, friends, I'll tell you, they know languages sometimes that stevedores don't know because you see, they're with the barnyard. They know a lot of stuff. So he's running around. These turkeys, it's like a gigantic rain of turkeys. They're landing on the car. Well, I sat there. I really blew it. <laughs> I really blew it this time. And these turkeys were so bucked, they wouldn't move. They're sitting on the fenders. They're sitting on the running board. There's one turkey in the back seat crying, you know, and they're all up in the air. I sat there. Oh, my God, these turkeys. What am I going to do? And the guy looks in, and he says, Well, all right, wise guy. Now look what you done did. We're going to sit here all night till them damn turkeys decide they're going to start moving again. And you know what happens? Them turkeys, when they get scared, they just won't move. I said, well, I, I was trying to turn around and my elbow hit the horn. He don't give me none of that. And this turkey is just sitting there on the, on the hood looking into the window at me. He's looking right into the windshield, seeing the big, fat, 47-pound turkey. You can see he's lost 10 years of his age. You know, you, his feathers are turning white, you know, because of the horn. And we sit there. And the turkeys wouldn't move. They just sat. I don't think I ever told this story. It's a true story. The turkeys did not. They just didn't move. You know, the turkeys were so bugged that they sat, and once in a while, one would look up and go, 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 go. You know, he's scared. Go, 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 You know, if you think it, Chicken Little was afraid of the sky falling. Friends, you don't know what a turkey's like. I'll tell you, a turkey is not only afraid the sky is falling, he is totally convinced it's just hit them all the time. They're scared, you know. When we sat there for about 15 minutes, and this farmer's walking around chewing mail pouch and spitting and bugged. He's got his lantern going, and finally, one by one, the turkeys start walking off the hood and they're looking around, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> looking a little scared. They start getting down on the road, and they start falling into company formation once again, see. Well, I don't have to tell you. We walked down that road, me, my Ford, the scared turkeys, the farmer spitting into the ditch. We went maybe two or three hundred yards. He comes to the farmhouse, and the turkeys all turn off left. Off they go. And I put the car in first very, very carefully to get out of there. And I moved on down the road. The car, it smelled with a smell that to the day I got rid of that car never fully was expunged. It's very ripe port I sold. It's got, uh, I don't know how to say this delicately, but turkeys when they're afraid, friends, Fear acts on a turkey the way uh, that marvelous product that tastes just like Swiss chocolate acts on a nine-year-old kid after he's eaten two packages of it, you know? Well, I got my electric blue sport coat on. The car is covered with a thick coating. Well, you know, and uh, just been a bad night, see, all the way down the lines. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I finally get to the next town. I'll never forget this girl's name. Her name was Patty. And she worked in a drugstore. And Patty was off her job about 7 o'clock. I'm showing up about 10. See? And uh, I drive up in front of the drugstore. One of these drugstores that stay up until midnight. Seeing her shift has been over. And she's sitting up there at the counter waiting. And I walk in. I said, Patty, you won't believe this. And she looked at me with those two cold blue eyes. She says, that's probably true. I said, but, Patty, I got... Well, Patty... Come on up in the car and we'll talk. I got an inspiration, see. Well, we left Fifield's drugstore. We went out, and in front of Fifield's drugstore was my car. My car looked like a chicken coop with wheels. I said, Patty, now I was going to tell you the truth, and I'm going to tell you the truth. I got trapped by 7,550 turkeys. And she looked at my car. The feathers were still falling off. Three turkeys have sat on my shoulder, you know, during the melee. She looked at me. She said, you are a slob. I said, I'm a slob. The turkeys, I didn't do it. All right. Let's go. It's daytime. Well, you know, I had to wipe off the handle of the car. She got in, and she's all dressed up. You know, she had her dress on under her uniform. She sits in the front seat of the car there. And uh, I tell you, it was just a very bad scene. The, the turkey in the back seat, you know, he, he'd gotten excited, too. And... and uh, what was so fantastic? Do you know that the next day I found three turkey eggs on the back seat of the car? I didn't know they laid eggs, you know. Somehow I had an idea turkeys came from the AMP, you know. There were big eggs back there. Well, <laughs> we start to go along the street, and it was just terrible. We start to go along the street, and I'm supposed to be taking her to dinner. And we, you know, we pulled up in front of this place where they had the dinner, and I got out, and it was just terrible. Everything's going down here. We walk in, and what do you think they had as the special that night? I don't even have to tell you. That night's special was turkey with stuffing. One of my friends, probably. You know, that had ridden along with me, you know, and picked up a hitchhiker. Well, Patty and I sat there. The car is smelling up the block. I'm sitting, and I had a, you know, immediately in the restaurant, I went into the, the, into the gentleman's room, and I'm wiping it off, you know, and, the, and there's an attendant in there. See, there's an attendant sitting there. You know, the attendant of the John Oil, he's sitting there, and he's got combs and Lucky Tiger and stuff like that, see. And I've got this stuff all over my shoulder. And he comes up, and he says, uh, he says, how are you, sir? I said, fine. He says, can I help you, sir? And he takes out this spot remover. He says, what is that? You know, they ask you well, when they're taking a spot, what is it, see? And I says, well, uh... <laughs> He says, well, what is it? It looks like... So. He says, it can't be what it looks like. I said, it is. 
He says, chickens? I said, worse than that. He said, what do you mean, geese? I said, no, no, worse than that. He said, well, what is it? Guess. What is it? I said, turkey. He says, turkey? He said, never come out. Did you know, friends, it, it never comes out? That's right. You know, right now, today, I've got a turkey-spotted sport coat in my closet. And if turkeys ever really come back as a decorative item, I'm ready. You know? <laughs> and so ever so, would you give me a little romance? Give me, uh, 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 that's it. There you go, see. Ever since that time. Ever since that time, friends. Yeah. Chicken croquettes. Yeah. Turkey meatballs. Ever since that time, turkeys have not seemed this. You know, you get, you can get too intimate. You know what they say? Familiarity breeds contempt, and it certainly does. I don't think I'm respected by a turkey anywhere in the Midwestern states <laughs> these days. But uh, you know, speaking of turkeys, you want to hear another turkey story? That's a true story. That fantastic scene. I don't think I ever told that. I and mean, you can see why. Some things you just don't talk about, you know, even if they're funny. In fact, the funniest thing you never mention. But uh, one time, I'm going to tell you, I, I, I'm not a hunter. I mean, I've never gone hunting for stuff uh, ever since I was a kid. You know, I've had trouble with uh, friends of mine who love to go hunting. Uh, you know, I try to pretend like I'm a thuish, you know, when some guy brings in this little bird that he shot, you know, $7,000 worth of shotgun, a yellow bird. Well, <laughs> one time, oh. Yeah, think about it for a minute, you know. I mean, you got seven stories of Abercrombie and Fitch all aimed at this one poor little bird sitting on the telephone wires, you know. But uh, nevertheless, the, one of the wildest moments I ever had with turkeys, friends. And uh, I got euchred into it. You know, you always get these invitations around Thanksgiving saying, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I'm free, 21, walking around, and... Uh, I was working with a guy one time. This is right after I got out of college, and I'm working and, and I'm working in this, this radio station, television station in Cincinnati. And uh, one of the executives walked in. And he says, "Hey," he says, "Listen," he says, "You really want to do something great on on Thanksgiving?" And I said, "Yeah, yeah, you know, I I'd already prepared. You know, my mind already was set for Thanksgiving dinner at the H and H. You know." And uh, he says, "Well, look," he says, uh, "How about taking a an invitation. I'm going to give you an invitation. He said, you really want to do something great? I said, yeah. He said, okay. He says, tonight, after work, because you're off tomorrow with Thanksgiving, he says, tonight, after work, me and Fred, he said, we're going to meet you. He said, I'm going to bring my wife. And he says, we're going to go someplace. He says, you're going to have a Thanksgiving you never believe. So I said, okay. Now, remember, this is Cincinnati. So the next night, in the car, and we drive out to the airfield. We get out there, and here's this private airplane. And six of us get into this plane. they got a pilot. And they fly. We fly straight south. And I keep saying to Fred, I said, Fred, where are we going? He said, you wait. 
you wait. Fantastic. We fly south. We're flying about two hours. We land in an airfield in Tennessee. And 20 minutes later, I am wearing a canvas suit. I'm in the deep woods. And I'm hunting for wild turkeys. And I can't get out of it, you know. It's such a big thing. After such a big celebration, you know, the whole thing, you can't say to the guy, get out, you know, you're flown 7,000 miles. And now I am sitting in a bramble patch. And we're on the edge of a swamp in the deep, dark mountain fastnesses of Tennessee. This is strictly Snuffy Smith country. And I saw, you know, a lot of these big, tall, skinny natives walking around with white lightning over their shoulders. And uh, we got a guide who's one of those guys, you know, he kept spitting into the jug and then drinking. You know, just, oh, I'm telling you the truth, you know, that has a little bit. So we're sitting, I'm sorry, this is life, you're alive. So we're sitting in the middle of a bramble patch. I am, and I've got this shotgun. And they have told me that the turkeys go pie here. You know, the turkeys walk pie. They, like, uh, like, like you're hunting, hunting deer, you see, they, they wander around. And he says, you stay right here. And don't move a muscle. Be very quiet. And so everybody is spotted out there in the blinds. We're waiting. See. Now I, I I had never seen a wild turkey ever in my life. And we've come eight thousand miles by air. And I'm scrunched on. It's cold. My ears are falling off. And I got this this bourbon. I'm sipping a little bourbon once in a while. When all of a sudden. I was there about a half an hour. Something flicks. I see a leaf move. And sure enough, a head comes out and looks around. And I can see him outlined against the sky. He takes a step, and there he is. A wild turkey. He's beautiful. Fantastic. You have no idea how a wild... Tall and thin, and they stand up high on their legs. They're, they're, they're in, the, in the wilds, they're brown and gold, yellow, and there's little flecks of iridescent green, and that big head, and they, they're totally different than those other dumb turkeys. Boy, is he sharp. He's looking around. Saying, well, I got my shotgun, and I know these other guys are sitting around with shotguns. I ain't going to see this happen. So I reach down, I'm watching that turkey, and he goes, <laughs> he's calling for a friend. <laughs> And I hear one of my buddies over there with his turkey call go, and his turkey looks up, and I say, oh, no, you don't, Dad. And I reach down, and I take a rock. And I said, here, buddy, get going while the going is good. And I throw that rock, and he goes, up in the air he goes. And I can see him go over and over the horizon, safe. You've never seen anything in your life until you've seen a wild turkey in full flight. Fantastic. They make butterballs look like butterballs. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up this week's episode of OTR Playlist. I hope you enjoyed our Thanksgiving episode that we put together here. Hopefully, we can get at least one or two episodes out for Christmas. We have a few ideas, so we'll have to see what happens. But I would just like to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving for you as well. Yeah, you too, Sean. You hope you and your family enjoy the day. So until next time, thanks for listening, and happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody.
OTR Playlist is part of the Throwback Network. Head over to throwbacknetwork.net to find more great retro podcasts, including Ferg's other podcast, the Atari 2600 Game by Game podcast, and mine, Throwback Reviews. If you want to leave us any feedback, a suggestion for a show, or what you think of the show, send it over to otrplaylist at gmail.com. Throwback Network.